Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. What is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And look, a little bit of a... uh, a little bit of a hiatus from recording shows, unfortunately, um, but it's been cool. I finally got my visa to get back to the US, uh, so I got back for Washougal and then decided to uh, impromptu go to Loretta's, which was unreal, one of the coolest weeks I think I've ever had. Uh, and then, yeah, from there I went to IndyCar, SVG, uh, sorry, NASCAR and IndyCar, SVG was over, um, and then... Now I'm a mammoth, so yeah, it's been a pretty hectic, hectic month trying to get everything set up, but we're back, we're dialed, we're in the US studio, and uh, yeah, got some really, really cool shows coming up over these next few months, so very excited to be here uh, and and recording the show. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been a long five years trying to make it happen, so this was a uh, kind of, I don't know, maybe like a fitting way to start this off. Uh, Mickey Mace joins us on the podcast and he is, I guess what you would call a professional gambler, uh, and social media, I guess, social media personality these days. He, uh, went on a crazy run in Vegas that lasted a few years, uh, and kind of rose to fame through that period. But he actually was a dirt bike kid. He was in a bunch of the Mini Warriors films and just grew up racing with like J-Law, Izzy, Stroop, that whole kind of generation. Um, and yeah, he is still like a diehard Moto fan, even though he went in a completely different direction. So the other thing that was cool about this podcast, not cool, cool but not cool, is uh, this was one of the few podcasts where we had a technical issue. So we did... We did three hours, but an hour and a half in, something happened on the US side and we lost the recording and the backup recording. So three months later in the US in person, me and Mickey finished this podcast off together. So kind of cool, kind of rad to be able to make it happen like that after a bummer uh, deal. But I think we strung together a pretty good three hours. So I'm going to read the ads. Uh, It's awesome to be back on your airwaves and uh we're excited for the next few months but like i said we'll get into the ads and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the team at ag1 ag1 is the first port of call for me each and every morning and in my experience it is the healthiest habit you can form that takes under one minute of your day 
I feel like all I've done in 2023 is travel and AG1 has been the one constant in this crazy program. And touch wood, I've been able to stay super healthy while on the road. You might say even in AG1 condition. AG1 is a one scoop formula that you mix with between 8 and 12 ounces of water and that's it. You're done. And it has been a part of millions of mornings since 2010. Since using AG1 on a consistent basis, I've noticed a massive change for the better on my overall gut health and digestion. With so much traveling this year, my stomach has had to adapt to new foods, but the probiotic effect of AG1 has really helped me stay feeling good in this area. The team at AG1 are so committed to their product that the formula has been updated over 52 times since 2010. But maybe the best part of working with the team is that it has also been helping the Gypsy Gang. I've had a bunch of messages from you guys who have started using AG1 and they all have their own stories of how it's helped them. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, AG1 is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash gypsytales. That's drinkag1.com slash gypsytales. We are also brought to you by the guys at Manscaped and beard products are now available in your country. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look like never before. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using the promo code GYPSYGANG for 20% off and free shipping. So say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They have created four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care. First, there is the beard shampoo and conditioner. Next, the kit has Manscaped's beard oil that helps relieve dryness both on the beard and skin beneath. And to cap off the kit with the Beard Balm, a pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for that sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames. So get 20% off with free shipping with the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code gypsygang. We're also brought to you by maybe the collab of the year in 2023, and that is the pairing of EVS and Axel Hodges to bring you the Slayco 96 knee guard. If you know two things about me, it's that I like 350s and knee pads, and these boys are as good as it gets. They feel like a beefed up TP199 with even more padding and grip around the key contact points of the knee. Plus, they have their reactive memory foam in front to protect during impacts. Over the last 38 years, EVS Sports has established themselves as leaders in innovation and technology when it comes to designing protection gear for today's motocross riders. What started out as one knee brace has evolved into a full line of protective gear to help keep riders safe while they do what they love. Athletes like RJ Hampshire, Kyle Chisholm, Axel Hodges and Travis Pastrana all wear EVS when they race, ride or whatever Travis decides to do that day. Slayco 96 knee guards are available now for $139.99. Check out evssports.com to gear up like the pros. We are also brought to you by... 
our team, our family at Fist Handwear. You can head to fisthandwear.com and use the code GYPSYGANG to get 20% off your order there. We're also brought to you by the team at Tropical Auto Group. And if you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, then you cannot buy anything without picking up the phone and calling Kyle. He has been keeping us moving for the past three years and countless other members of the Gypsy Gang. Tropical Auto Group in Rockhampton, Stock Ford, Mitzi, Kia, Izuzu, and Great Wall. And for the last 12 months, we have been wheeling the all-new D-Max. If you're looking for a ute for work and play, I can't recommend that rig enough. We've driven it from Melbourne to Cape York, and it's safe to say she's passed the test. It's tax time right now, so make sure you head to Tropical Auto dot com and ask for kyle and you'll get a 500 dollars gift voucher at mx store with the purchase of a new or used car that's it for me guys appreciate it i hope you enjoy this one so what's uh well wait till we're rolling and we'll just fucking we're good on this and well once anthony tells us we're good do you need to know any facts about me? No, uh, no. I mean, I've like I've like watched a bunch of shit. Like, fuck, dude. I first started following you when maybe the first like no jumper interview that you did because I've been following Adam Twenty Two. Oh, I hate for... that one. Yeah, oh, really. That's like my least favorite ever interview. Why is that? It was my first. It was my first ever interview, and I just made social media. I didn't even know what no jumper was. Me and Adam are boys through BMX. So uh. when he like catfish who's my best friend was like we're at a jam with adam in la and he's like yo uh you should talk to adam about going on a show and i'm like oh he has a show and he goes well it's like like a radio show on like the internet catfish helped me create social media so he knows that i know nothing yeah he's like yeah it's like a radio show you just like do interviews whatever and i was thinking i had an understand i kind of believed that i was going to blow up on the internet right and everyone around me knew it also. So I swear to God, I thought I was doing Adam a favor by saying like, hey, do you want to do my yeah. first interview? Because it'll be big for you. I swear to God, I thought that. So he's like, all right, come on the show. So I came on not knowing how big he was. Not I was not PR trained. I didn't know anything. Yeah. And I didn't have self-control. So I told Adam before the interview, like we were on the phone. I was like, yo, you know, like my whole life. I want you to pick one category and that's the only thing you can ask me about. He goes, I just want to ask about gambling. I said, fine. He ended up asking me everything about everything and I didn't have like the wherewithal to tell him, hey bro, I don't want to talk about anything other than this. Yeah. So I put all this information out there and I put it all out there in a way that's even hard to like believe. And yeah. it, it had so much like backlash and like challenging to navigate that I spent the rest of like my career, like we call it for like the 18 months after that, while getting famous only fighting naysayers so i felt like instead of building yeah, yeah. i was like proving the things i had already done yeah and like yeah. it just said and i looked you know like i didn't i didn't know what it was but i swear to god i i thought i was helping him swear ask catfish bro if you know catfish just ask him dude that's fucking funny yeah i mean he uh it's crazy with adam 22 like i, I started watching his shit like years and years like even when he was in the store on like melrose i'm pretty sure like the original yeah. one when it was like he had the bmx shop no, in the front and shit. yeah and then uh and it's crazy because like i started a fucking motocross website back in like 2007 before youtube before all that shit and he did was it uh, what was the name of the, his fucking bmx website on some s-h-i-t yeah but no there was a the 
it was like it wasn't we the people that was like a bike brand but anyway so he like it was just a lot of parallels between between him and my career and i was like oh this guy's fucking cool it's crazy to see what he's built man like that shit is fucking massive now yeah yeah and i didn't know i didn't know any of that i just knew him like in person first time we met i didn't even know like Bro, he's just like another guy I just met at like a BMX jam. Like, bro, yeah. I met a thousand people. Like, you yeah, know? yeah. He gave me a uh, Kodoku. What's that ball yeah, stick yeah, game? Yeah, yeah, Kadama. Yeah, he gave me one of those. Kadama. Yeah, he gave me one of those. And I was like, this is gay. Like, you do this for fun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, was uh, like, I was like, this is nerdy. Oh, uh, <laughs> love it. What? So, you, what was the deal with you? Like, you never had social media. You never did the Instagram thing. No. Like, you literally just decided, no. like, you know what? I'm gonna get a piece of this internet ass and I've got some cause you're like you're a fucking cool cat you're a very unique cat so like you just Thank literally you. thought you're like oh man I could fucking do the internet thing well nah I was so resistant bro like bro I lived like anonymously and mysteriously or whatever my entire life I was like a devoted anom in this world you know what I mean like yeah. I am staying off grid you'll never know anything about my you'll never know me right so we're like at the peak of COVID. I'm being banned from the casinos. The casinos are shut down at this exact moment, but yeah. it all happened like kind of at the same time, right? I'm starting to be banned. I did all these, cra- I made all this crazy money. I did all these crazy like experiences, like parties and PJs and BJs and blah blah blah. And um, we're at the peak of COVID. And I remember I flew uh, to New York to help my parents move to their new spot. Like, I had a spot on the Hudson River. They lived, like, out in the boons in Jersey. And I, it was too hard on my mom. So I moved her to this, to a high-rise. And I spent a couple weeks there just helping them. And I was so bored. I had no friends there, no girls, no nothing, COVID, everything's closed. And I'm texting with all the casino executives and the owners and stuff. And I'm like, bro, the casino's ever going to open, like, give me a timeline i'm gonna i'm gonna kill myself with boredom yeah and they just kept saying like start as instagram bro they're like most people will never know your life style exists and the ones that do are like old billionaires that aren't even like you utilizing like the coolness of what you got at your fingers they go don't you think everybody would find what you do entertaining like they don't even know this life exists and I was like, absolutely not. I was like, I've, it doesn't help me. I was like, what is it going to do? They're like, who knows, but it'll be fun and it'll keep you out of being bored. You know, it'll be exciting during the pandemic. Finally, every day they kept like pushing me, pushing me. One day I was like, ah, oh, whatever, man. And I remember actual, his name is Elijah and he worked the front desk at Nomad. He was the last person to text me and just say, bro, start an Instagram. Yeah. And that was, that was it. I started it. And then uh, Vegas loosened up pretty quickly on its COVID rules. Uh, casinos were so shut down, but they were like pretty chilling. Yeah. So I fly back to the West Coast. I go to Vegas and that's where like I was in with Catfish and like all of them. And they were immediately like, did you finally start social media? And I was like, yeah, They're like we're going to help blow this up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So just who's Catfish? Sorry, just to get context. Oh, oh, oh. okay. Okay. So Catfish is a pro BMXer. He's an old head now. Pro BMXer, okay, okay. he started No Jumper with Adam. They were roommates. Uh, he uh, He's the Nitro Circus announcer, the X Games announcer, the Olympics announcer. Wait, he's the flat in. ground guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's short. He's got a ponytail. Catfish. Is it, what's his Instagram? I'm just going to look him up real quick. Catfish. It goes Catfish and then VS. The thug. Oh, just V. Catfish, V Thug, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm going to follow him right now. I'm sure I've seen him because I'm always at the like Nitros and shit like that. 
Yeah, Definitely. yeah, 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 you know, yeah, 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 dude. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're on the same. I was like, I feel like I would know who this is. Yeah, we're on the same yeah. page. You know Micah? Micah. You know Micah is? Nah. He's a big, bigger guy's heavy. He's also the announcer at like all the Supercross races, all that. Yeah, right. Cat, he, him and Catfish have the same job. Catfish brought him into Nitro, okay. got him into announcing. Yeah, yeah, duh. Anyway, Catfish been around. Yeah. So what was your reasons for not being on social media? Because I get it. Like, and even though I do this and we obviously go out to a bunch of different people, like I'm fairly private about my shit. Um, so I guess mm-hmm. I can understand. But what were your reasons for like not wanting any of that fame? Well, when I was young, I was a criminal. I was like a drug dealer and a pimp and like an arms dealer and, you know, and committing crimes and whatever. And I was like gang banging and I was, there's definitely none of that should ever be on the internet like you, you like you know what i'm saying if you're a criminal mm. how are you going to post about the crimes you're committing like obviously hey, it doesn't stop a bunch of those fucking idiots these days idiots idiots though <laughs> yeah. yeah i agree but you know so for me i was like i was like i lived very strict i was like i'm a gangster like i'm gonna live like by the code i'm gonna be anonymous you're not gonna know my name my number nothing you know and then um even after i stopped doing that i was just so like embedded in this concept of like stay in your lane mind your business if there's a fist fight happening in the seat next to me as long as they don't hit me i'm not even looking you know and i lived like that like for a long time and even when i like went legit and like started businesses and like straightened out my life whatever i was just like right here at all times stayed in my lane and it worked for me yeah and then i guess what is the to go from that then to the being like relatively famous on the internet well i mean yeah like you've got fucking literally millions and millions and millions of views and shit that you're in like what's that i got a billion views like? on the internet yeah well, see, I, just you go. know i got i have a billion views on the internet yeah it's been crazy bro because i'm just like some dude like anytime i leave the house anywhere i go i'm taking photos right lunch gas station whatever i'm taking photos every step of the way and to me it's so humbling when someone asks me for a photo because i'm literally like just some dude bro i'm just some guy i like riding dirt bikes i like go-karting i like playing connect four yeah and i play cards you know what i mean and uh it's really fun and anyone you know a lot of people say like what's it like being famous and like oh fame sucks and screw you fans leave me alone i don't know i think they're acting bro this how can this not be cool this is fun honestly yeah yeah no i agree there's like there's definitely I think about it all the time. Like, there's a, there would be a level of fame that would be quite undesirable. Like, there's no, I mean, there's, I don't think anybody could deny that. You know, like, for, for in my lane, right? I go to, there's places I go, I have like pockets of fame. Like, if I go to a Supercross race, I'm as famous there as anybody that's there. But if I go to a fucking random Walmart in Kansas City, like no very rare words you know what i mean so like but then if you talk about the perks of that well supercross is where i like to be like i like going to those races i can get the tickets i can fucking have my friends so like there's perks to fame in a certain level so yeah i think and when people come up to me and want photos and shit i think it's fucking rad but there would be a there would be a level of fame like Joe Rogan level of fame where you've got security with you at all times you can't take a commercial yeah. flight that that there would be a level of restriction that would come from fame yeah but I think when you reach that level of fame the other perks sort of outweigh it like for example Joe Rogan yeah. is so goddamn filthy rich yeah that he's like oh I just signed a 400 million dollar deal with Spotify it's a shame I gotta spend four grand this week on security like 
Well, do so like. Oh, I got to spend fifteen k on a PJ. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think like the lo- like, the logistics of it. But again, you're just paying people for the logistics. But I just think like the anonymous, like being able to go. Oh, there's a new restaurant in town. Like you don't have to organize yeah. to close that bitch down. To but yeah you're right you know like i think that the the perks definitely outweigh it it's just it, it's so interesting too like that and i mean you you'd probably be able to speak on this like before you had any like status social because that's what mm. you've got you've got like money as a currency and then you've got status as a currency and it's quite interesting yeah. like i've been on i've been in situations where there's like really rich guys there right and then there's mm. someone that there's like a group of people that would have like a certain level of social status. Let's just say credits, right? So you've got like money credits and then social credits. The girls yeah. were more interested in the people with the with the social credits more than the money credits. So like fame is, I think that's why people get famous is because s- social credits are actually worth more in people's eyes than monetary credits a lot of times. I think they're more enjoyable. I'll give you an example. Last weekend, uh, Steve Will Do It calls me on Thursday night. And he goes, hey, bro, can you get to Vegas in the morning? I want to live stream us gambling in a casino, right? I'm like, all right, cool. So I go and I call Bryce Hall, who's a good friend of mine. I said, Bryce, are you in Vegas? He goes, yeah. I said, do you want to do this live stream with us? He goes, yeah, I'll come hang out. So we spent the whole day with like Dana White, Steve-O, Steve Will Do It, Bryce, Nate Wyatt, like all the all of us like with – um. I mean, we have both types of credits, but this was based yeah, on the yeah, status credits. Yeah, yeah. And we spent the whole day live streaming, like really cool stuff. And then Bryce says to me, he goes, hey, bro, the owner of EDC saw we're together. He offered you uh, owner wristbands for EDC, right? And I never been to a festival and I hate electronic music. And he's like, you can't really turn it down. It's the owner. It's like polite. You got to accept. I'm like, all right, I'll, only if I come with you. He goes, of course. I'm in the owner's uh, section, right? There's like a special stage where like the owner and like the owner's all groups, right? There's like multiple little sections on this stage or whatever. It was so much fun to run. And there's other people that are rich there that are just like rich and like that's it. It was fun to run around all the girls. We can get access to anything just based on social. And the thing is all of us could have bought those same tickets. But because the owner gave it to us because of our status credits, we were able to utilize them in such a fun way. Like we'll never get thrown out because the owner personally invited us. You know, he'll change the rules for us. We can have access to anybody, anything, any place like the rules were made around us. Yeah, yeah. And that was the status. And so you've noticed that change from being this anonymous guy that was still doing the same shit, still living the same life, still had the same tattoos, like you were the same fucking guy, but and yeah. living in anonymity to then being like this internet personality and you're rubbing shoulders with these people. Like you can literally notice a difference of how the world treats you based off fame. Because one, you're buying your way in. The other people are buying you in. You know, they're paying you to come. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? There's a huge difference in the dynamic. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, I feel it. And it's it's just crazy to... Because like, I would always... I always found fame very interesting. And I think because, like, my early career of filming... Like, I was never in front of a camera until I started doing this. So I was always behind a camera and who are you pointing it at? You're pointing it at famous people. 
and I always just found it so fascinating to just watch these dudes move or these like just see how their life was and how it affected some people differently from other people's it's so it's such like an interesting thing and then I think that yeah once you kind of are in a position where people do like know about you and you see the benefits of that and you know sometimes the negatives too like that's obviously why people try and get famous even if they're rich you know well if the if the perks of the status credits weren't worth it nobody would have ever have tried to be famous yeah nobody would ever look at something and be like oh that's what i want if it was bad <laughs> you know like there's a reason yeah yeah no no it's fucking it's true so let's talk a bit about uh, how we started this conversation obviously we're doing the fucking podcast at this point um so are we live right now yeah are we been, recording yeah we've been rolling the whole time yeah. oh i didn't even, I didn't even know that's all right it. sick Lit, let's go yeah, that's how we that's how we do it uh so <laughs> how we started this you hit me up so it's actually kind of a cool story uh i've been following you since that no jumper interview uh and then i was in dubai and i'm sitting down like going through instagram i'm like trying to message some people i want to come on the podcast click into your profile and see that you sent me a message and i missed it by like seven months and i was like fuck are you serious i can't believe i missed this message and then we start talking and you're like yeah dude i'm a full fucking moto head like i was in mini warriors and just started like reeling out all this moto shit i was like holy fuck that's actually insanely legit uh and then obviously it's been a little bit to schedule that was probably like four months ago but we're here now and we're mm -hmm. fucking doing it I'm yeah, yeah ha happy to be here so let's talk about your early moto days then. let's like lay the context of mo because yeah i feel like other interviews you've done you haven't been able to go into as meta detail as uh as what we could probably do here yeah which i'm really happy to do by the way because that's like really who i am i've said this before in interviews if i could start all over again i would never talk about gambling and money i literally just want to be funny on the internet like i that would be like a life goal of mine to be funny on the internet and just show who i really am and like the money and the gambling and stuff it's like kind of i don't know i think it's like corny like i don't know i don't know people like it they eat it up but like i don't know man this, well, this is where i want to be dirt biking is who i am bro that that's me and it's funny that when i messaged you like seven months before you seen it it's because I thought that you had messaged me, right? Oh. So I did an interview, I think on uh, the Good Dudes channel, which is Hamecula. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Shane yeah, Davis. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, like, around that era was like the first time publicly my history with like moto and all these other action sports started coming out so when that started coming out all these people from like the industry or whatever started contacting me like oh i remember you oh we used to race or oh like can yeah, you come talk yeah. about you or whatever and i was like gypsy tales they're like the tops like i love gypsy tales i'm a fan and so for some reason i thought that you had been one of the people reaching out to me so i was like wait a second did i miss their message and i go back in there was nothing there and i asked you i was like hey bro by any chance did you message and like unsend because i could have sworn you had tried to be, I thought you were one of the people that hit me up about it. But, um, yeah, uh, you want me to go from the beginning? Yeah. What, what was your, so from what I gathered doing my own research, your dad was just like a stock car, like a drag motorcycle drag racer. Motorcycle bike, yeah. Pretty fucking dope. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. so from, I can't you found that. Yeah. So from like Jersey, like that, yeah. that where you're from. So that's like Basha, like fucking Jimmy Dakota. So like that's that era. And and how old are you? Like, or do you say how old you are? Or like what I, era? I've never said how old I was. I'll tell you the era though. Okay, yeah. Um, 
since I was like a super child, my racing partners were Jason Lawrence, yeah. Davey Millsaps, uh, the Alessi brothers, Frankie Latiri, Lowell Spangler, Garrett Toss, Sean Hackley, uh, both the Stewarts, but Malcolm was more times than not the one that was in the correct like uh, classes, yeah. you know, cause they're so like age yeah. specific when you're young, me and Malcolm used to really battle hard as kids. So like, that's like my, that's your era. era. Hey, that's my fucking yeah. era too, brother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gang, gang. So, uh, so what, like your dad obviously gets you into racing or like you're being around motorcycles from, from a kid. What did like those early years of moto look like to you? Yeah, so my dad was a pro stock bike racer, um, and he did that before I was born, and uh, he did that for like the first one or two years of my life, and then he crashed, uh, so he went through the quarter mile, he hit his front brakes, went over the bars, broke his ankle, surgery, you know, they put screws in and all that, and he was just like, you know, between business and racing and having a newborn, and my brother was on the way, he's like, I quit. Yeah. So I grew up as like a baby, my dad was a builder, so it was always like, land and like whatever and he had dirt bikes like big wheels and whatever and as like a ba- like a literal infant you know like six months old or whatever he'd sit me on the bike with my diaper put little goggles on me and we just ride around and apparently it was like my favorite thing in the world to do is like a baby so wh- I learned how to ride a bicycle with no training wheels really young I think I was something like uh I want to say like two or three yeah like I learned super young and um he actually my dad taught me in a really cool way that i'm gonna use on my kid anyway as soon as i can go no training wheels he bought me a pw50 yeah and i entered my first race uh it was a hair scramble i think it was in pennsylvania i have a photo um i was just like love at that point pretty quickly he got me um i think it was like one of the little cobras yeah uh i raced a little cobra this is when bud you know the owner of cobra first came out with Cobra. So he first developed a company and my dad got his hands on a little Cobra and I started racing. And I think just because of the, the area we were in, the only other kids racing that age were all the kids basically that went on to be pro, like everyone that we're naming, you know? Yeah. So since I was called three years old, my first race since then I've grew up as a child racing every weekend with all those kids from the tri-state area that went on and are still currently racing pro, you know? Uh, so pretty quickly I developed like good riding. Like I was like winning or whatever, but I was just, we're just like babies. Like we didn't, I didn't even know if I won or not. Like I didn't even think about it. I was so young, you know, started training and practicing and then it became a full-time gig. I was, I don't know, something in that range of like, I don't want to misspeak, but something like around six years old, I started training we would train and practice like five days a week, spend a full day traveling, race one, fly home in time for school, and then keep doing that. So like every day after school, whatever, we had coaches and training, went to all these private tracks. And it was like the group of us. It was like like the core group was like me, Jay Lawrence, Frankie Latiri, Lowell Spangler, yeah. you know. And uh, I just was winning. That's We were all winning though, you know. Every, yeah. They all went on to be some of the greats. And um, the Alessis and Davy Millsaps and what have you, the Stewards. And um, that's it. Then uh, I remember I was there for Eli Tomac's like debut like amateur race as a kid. And it was in Vegas and he won. And it was like a big deal. He came on Little Cobras and just dominated. Dude, I remember. And I'm, I'm a, yeah, yeah, I was there, bro. And uh, that's when we started filming Mini Warriors. Yeah. And the uh, the cameraman, I forget his name. He was like kind Malcolm of a young guy Ma- also. Malcolm McCassie? 
No, no, no. It wasn't Mal- he, he's in them, but he wasn't the filmer. There's yeah, like an okay. actual guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was like this chubby kid. Um, he took a hold of a few of us. Like Malcolm he took a hold of, me he took a hold of, and a few other characters. And he like really focused a lot of the film around some of us. Yeah. And then like filled it with just racing and riding. Yeah. So I had, you know, been in Mini Warriors. And then I think it was, uh, I forget which one, but then he had continued just to put me in all the Mini Warriors. Like when you roll credits at one of them, it's just me with my name. And it's me interviewing Nico Izzy after he won uh, some race in Vegas. And like, you know, so like I got like a lot of like attention and credits or whatever through the Mini Warriors films. I won uh, the Mini O's, race Loretta's every year. Uh, first time I met Pastrana actually was his last year ever racing at Loretta's. First time I met him, I was pretty well, young. Yeah. yeah, that's sick. So and that uh, that whole era. Uh, so you're doing that right, and I'm a kid in a tiny town in Australia that would get those DVD or like VHS tapes back then. V- VHS, I would yeah, get yeah. them on VHS, like probably a year yeah. after they actually happened. And me and my brother and like three of my friends that were into dirt bikes would just watch those tapes all fucking night, every single night. And then we'd spend the rest of our time riding dirt bikes and BMX and shit. So like Mini Warriors was literally like the soundtrack, the fucking video track. Like that was everything. Like Mini Warriors, uh, Krusty's, Terra Firma. Krusty. Like that, that yeah. whole deal. Like that was just, that literally fucking raised me, bro. Me too. Me too. Um, th- that's why I think to this day, when you play the Offspring, the only thing I can yeah. think of is riding dirt bikes. It's the only thing I can think of, and to this day, I love the Offspring. And I think it's because of those Mini Warriors movies. Dude, we talk about it all the time, eh? Like um, music that was in those films just completely shaped my entire music taste. They shaped the parties I went to. That. That it's yeah. fucking mental the way that those kind of films can impact you at such a young age and just like kind of steer you in a direction like BMX, fucking mountain bikes, like just the whole like action sports, those parties, those types of fucking that scene, those girls, like the whole deal. You know, it's so funny because at that era, which is like um, late nineties, early two thousands, there was no. Mini Warriors was the first moto racing movie oh, for sure. that ever existed, you know, and then they came out with like 11 or 13 of them or something. So it was like literally like for kids like us, it was our holy grail. It was the yeah. only thing in existence that gave us some picture of what we were even doing outside of us. Oh man, a hundred percent. So what, like yeah. how far did you kind of take racing and when did you like, cause like you said, the kids that you grew up with, they kind of went pro and you're in all that shit. Like, I mean, I've gone back and watched all of those videos, you know, like the pictures where you sent me, you fucking sending me all the different things. Like you were there with those dudes. Like you had to be on a certain level to be in that crowd. And like, when did you start kind of like veering out of that scene? So this is what this is kind of what happened, which is a little bit unfortunate. But because I was so young, I, my first race I was three, and moving forward, I had never not raced. I never took a step back. Yeah, it's the only thing I knew. Like all of us as kids, it's all we ever knew. I actually had no idea that I was as good as I was. I didn't realize I was winning. I didn't realize what it meant to be in the movies. I didn't. It's just what I did. 
like my mom woke me up. She said, all right, time to get on a plane. I got on a plane. I landed. There'd be a coach there with bikes there. You know, I had a free ride with Cobra. I had a free ride with Cowie, free ride with KTM, free ride with Suzuki as I went through the ranks, right? So to me, there was just like always a bike there. There was always yeah, fresh yeah, gear yeah. there. And I just, that's it. So I got really burnt out and I had no idea the kind of, I didn't realize like the whatever, like that I was in it like that. It's just, I didn't know. And I burnt out. And I was constantly getting hurt, bro. I broke so many bones. Mm. I got a, my collar. I got two broken collarbones right now. My bones actually sticking out. I'm about to get surgery. Um, but I was always hurt, and I was young, and I was burnt out. And like I saw like the kids in school, like being normal kids, yeah. like basketball games and weekend parties and drinking beer or whatever. And I just wanted that so bad. But it's always like the grass is greener on the other side type attitude. Yeah. And uh, so I started fighting with my parents so much. I was like, I don't want to ride. I don't want to train. I don't want to practice. I don't want to travel. Like, I don't want to do it. And um, like any moments of spare time I had when I was home, I wrestled also. And I was like, kind of an accomplished wrestler. Nice shit. So like, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'd won st- uh, the state championship in New Jersey uh, in Greco-Roman the same year I got third uh, in freestyle. And like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was pretty good and um so it was like i had zero time to just be, be a kid, kid or anything yeah, like that yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was either out from both sports with injury or i was fully training and practicing both sports and you know i don't know it just was a lot so Re- i just quit wrestling so like i, I do jujitsu and fuck man it's just yeah. like i just the average person would just have no idea how fucking gnarly it is on your body like you're just walking around every day sore as fuck yeah yeah and always cutting weight and mm. i just was always weak i was i was weak on the bike a lot i got arm pump a lot because i was always cutting weight and wrestling and it was just too much bro i was doing like two like fully immersive full-time sports and i was competing at both of them at the highest levels and i really just wanted to be a kid bro i was so young like yeah i just want to be a kid you know i remember though so when i won uh the state championship um in Greco-Roman, right? I remembered that my parents didn't even go. They didn't take me there or nothing. I went with some of my other kids, some of the other buddies I had from the uh, wrestling club I was in. A lot of us made it to States that year and I just rode with one of their parents. And not that my parents weren't around, not like that, because they were fully around. It was just like, they also couldn't keep up. It was yeah, like a lot yeah, on them, yeah, yeah. you know? They're like, we have to, they decide they had to pick and choose. They're like, we're going to just do full moto. Like, good luck on your wrestling career. Have fun, you know? And I won states. And then I remember um, it was the same year that I got third in states in freestyle. And again, it was the same deal. I just went with the wrestling club. And I came home and I was like, mom, I won. And she was like, congrats. uh, You're not hurt, right? Because we have to train tomorrow. Yeah. And I was like, all right, you know. I was just burnt. I quit both, like, at the same time. Um, And then... Yeah, so I took a one year off, me and my brother, because he rode moto too. Um, we took one year off, and my dad had this fear that if we didn't do this family-oriented sport, that like we'd go down a bad path. So a year goes by, and he goes, "We have to do something. Do you want to race like um, I forget what they're like shifter carts or like you know like yeah, go karts yeah. that train you for Formula One?" Yeah, yeah. So he's like, "Do you want to take the path towards Formula One, or do you want to take the path in the NHRA and ITRA and go drag racing?" The truth is, I didn't even really know the difference. I was yeah. like, I wasn't really into either of them. And I said, I want to drag race. My brother said, no, I want to go towards Formula One. But my dad being a retired pro stock bike racer, he goes, we're going to keep drag racing. So my dad was biased. So we started drag racing. And I won a few national championships. I um, 
world record and like I excelled there as well but I think that was um I think it sounds bigger than it really is to like excel at that era yeah, in drag race such like it, a yeah it's not as glamorous like a viewer might look at this and be like wow he did so many things at the, the drag racing one even like the wrestling one I feel like really this was like about moto moto was my life yeah yeah and like so did you just stop riding completely or you'd still ride for fun or nah I completely like because I dove so hard into like yeah. trying to have a social life um and then maybe like few years goes by how many years i'm gonna make this up and say like six seven years go by and my best friend he bought a dirt bike and he's like i know you ride like do you want to ride my bike and i got on it and immediately i was back yeah you know yeah. like ripping bro ripping he had a uh what do you get i got like a one a suzuki like an rm 125 yeah and i just hopped on that thing and just you know just ripping and i felt so good and i was like right, i think i'm gonna come back and i got my own rm 125 Wrote it a little bit um, Then I got in like trouble in my own life I was like kind of like a bad bad kid You know whatever And that derailed And then um, I didn't get back into moto Until about two years ago I I attend all the supercross races Whenever they're in my city yeah. And now I live in LA So like Anna, A1, A2, San Diego All that's there yeah. And I started attending And I linked up with uh, Shane Davis and I was being invited to Travis Pastrana's pit bike championship, but yeah, I hadn't yeah. touched a bike in, you know, like how many, like a decade I haven't touched a bike or whatever. So I'm linked with Shane. He's like <laughs> pit bike, you know, God. And he's like, I got an extra bedroom in my house. If you want to come, you can rip up all my pit bikes and ride with us. We ride every day. And I was like, bet. And then that's, so that's when I got back into moto, which about two years ago, big bikes and pit bikes. And that's when it all started coming out that I had this ba- this this history or this background with moto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, super cool, man. I'm glad you kind of like found your way back to riding too, you know? Like I had a period of, we never raced that serious. Like where, well, I guess like it was serious racing, but it will like so far away. Like there's, it's so small and you know, like we're from a fucking small town, but I, I had a friend pass away and then that kind of fucked Sorry. me riding for like probably seven or eight years until I could like finally get my head around it but yeah like I'm just back in love with riding literally more than I ever have been in my entire life you know like it just once it's in you it just doesn't fucking leave yeah I I love riding I haven't rode since my collarbone um I'm lying I think I did I think I rode pit bikes once I did ride pit bikes once but uh after I get the surgery I'm gonna keep riding like I I gotta slow down a little, bro. You know, I'm not I'm not competing for anything, so I gotta chill out and just enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, dude, yeah. I'm I'm fucking I'm stoked to ride with you because I'm I'm racing World Vets at yeah. the end of the year at Glen Helen. No way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. let's go. I'll be there, bro. Yeah, let's I'm gonna fuck, come support, dude. Fifth of yeah. fifth of November. So I need a fucking training buddy, bro. So if you want to get back on the back on the program, that Thursday Glen Helen vibe, just fucking fly yeah. in on a jet to be there. I'll fucking I'll take you by. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll be there 100. percent I just went to uh, Glen Helen, um, Jackson from Homecula. He just he's in um, what's his what's his um series called? He does the whatever. He's racing. I forget what it's called. The series he's in. Yeah. It's not enduro, but it's something else. They, um, something. they also, whatever. They seem like pretty cool dudes, huh? Yeah, they're super fire. They're super dope guys. Yeah, you watch them ride pit bikes. 
Not really. Like, I honestly don't watch that. I'm like full moto nerd, bro. Like, I'm just watching whatever raw video of the top boys riding so that I can, like, try and, like, rub a little bit of that onto my own life, you know? Buddy, I'm telling you right now, you're missing out. You gotta watch these guys on pit bikes. Bro, oh, I, I don't even know where to start. Like, I don't want to, you know. They send I can it. do a whole interview just talking about them. Send it is an understatement. The guys who send it wish they could even, like, yeah, touch yeah. the level these these kids are on. Bro, they're doing flares. at. I don't know if you saw the video. They, at Jared McNeil's house, uh, Shane sent a flare on the 110 and bent the handlebars with his body no when he shit. landed. Bro, it's out of control. So he did a step-up contest on a pit bike. And he doesn't know how to straight air. He only knows how to backflip. So he's launching and winning uh, the step up contest. And it's like a, an, it's like a, like a 2004 X game step up setup, right? It's like that. It's like just like a quarter pipe backed up to the dirt landing with a pole. And he's just backflipping it like natural. Like these dudes are out of control. Both of them. Yeah, the whole little squad over there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I've, I've watched some of their like YouTube videos and shit. Like it looks like they're living a fucking pretty cool life. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy too because like just that shit only flies in America. Like, there's no one in Oz doing anything. Like, it's it's such. I don't even think Americans realize how fucking weird America is. I didn't never thought about it. <laughs> like, these are the only ones that can just do that shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They do it, and I gotta give them a lot of credit. They um they fully help train. I raced in the Pastrana pit bike race. Uh, last summer and uh, they fully like got me from not touching a bike in like a decade to like competing it, like I was like you know really out there and uh, I want to give like another special thank out thank you to uh, Jared McNeil for that yeah. uh, he trained me a lot um, the Palmer brothers twitch twitch let me tear up his track at his house a bit uh, I know I'm missing people oh of course Caleb Tennant you know Caleb Tennant yeah, yeah 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 yeah, so that's my dog, man. He actually donated his 110 to me for the whole summer just to train on that bike. I thrashed this thing. I don't know if you ever saw, there's some super viral clips, like Worldstar reposted them, of K-Camp and uh, James Earl, right? So he's the boxer out of San Diego and K-Camp, the rapper. I brought them to the Hemecula house, and then we all mobbed to McNeil's house yeah. to ride pit bikes. And... These two dudes, a rapper and an undefeated pro boxer, sent these pit bikes harder than some pit bike riders do. Like metal, like ramp to dirt, bro, insane. And that was all on Caleb's bike, so special thank you to him. Dude, that's fucking so sick. Yeah, McNeil's a, uh, McNeil's a really cool motherfucker. I think he's actually doing the podcast yeah. next week, too. Really? Yeah. That's my boy. I just was out in Arizona for uh, his and Kelsey's wedding. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah, I'm real close with them. Yeah, he he helps me a lot. Yeah, he's a fucking good dude, man. He had maybe yeah. one of the best motocross races. Like he literally got famous off one moto. So it was at like our version of the the Loretta Lynn's Nationals, right? And he fucking mm -hmm. it, it's Ty Simmons. So Ty Simmons was like KTM Motor X factory bike since he was a kid. Which like in Australia that's not super common, you know. Like he was like a Loretta's amateur kind of kid. But in Australia, when no one else really was, 
and there was a last moto for like the the 250a title and him and mcneil just battled dude like absolutely sending it roughest fucking it's a sand track too like roughest gnarliest sand track in australia and coming down the finish line man just a fucking drag race to this finish line tabletop and mcneil beats him by like 0.003 of a fucking second to win the Australian title. Literally got famous off one race. No one knew who he was. He's such a sicko. He is. I'll go to his house just to watch, just for him to watch his, uh, to watch him ride his facility. Yeah. I mean, it's so gnarly, bro. He's sick. And he's such a great guy. Very, very, very nice guy. You won't meet many more like down to earth dudes than him. Yeah, except he has this one pet peeve that drives me crazy, but I do understand it. If you go to his house, you cannot ride or walk anywhere that's not that's not designated to ride or walk. I get it. If you like touch a one blade of grass, bro, <laughs> lose his mind. But I get it. I get it. I get it. You know, it's just funny to see him in action. Yeah, and he's no. always wearing a cowboy boots and a helmet. It's just funny, man. Oh, I fucking love it. Uh, what yeah. do you do? You have a big bike right now? Like, you're gonna get a big bike again? What would you get? I um. I don't want to give free promo, but maybe this will land me a sponsorship. I would get a 350 Husky. My G. Church 350, yeah. baby. My boy gets it. I'll send you <laughs> yeah. a vi- I'll send you a video we just did. I just did like a fucking gnarly 350 build. Like 30 grand worth yeah? of 350. Yeah, it's fucking dope. Really? Yeah. Sh- I send it. Husky sh- or KTM? KTM. It's like the same. Same, same, yeah. same shit. Yeah, that's the fucking move. Yeah, I was literally going to I was going to try and sell you on getting a 350. I'm already sold. Ah, uh, cool. Well, we'll get it. We'll yeah. get it. Three fifty gang. I want the, ju- yeah. I want the juice of a four fifty, but I want like the weight and the the mobility of a two fifty. How can you not go three fifty? Yeah, yeah. Hey, you preaching the converted, brother. So, yeah. so I would. All right, keep going. No, no. I was gonna say when I used to train with Caleb for the race. Yeah. I would rip his big bike, and he has the Husky three fifty, and I would rip that thing. We'd go out everywhere, Fox and. Uh, um, I forget all those tracks down there, but at whatever, I used to rip his bike, and honestly, I I still got I was, I was the fastest one on the track some days, which is interesting because I'm like older and out of shape. Yeah, well, I think but his 350. I I think that's one of those things, man. Like when you you know to to be at the level that you were and to spend that much time on a bike at the age that you did, like you just don't lose the speed. It's just you lose everything else. You lose the fitness. You lose the conditioning. You lose the well, I guess like the mentality, like the focus to just stay out there and do a 20 or a 30 minute moto. So it's like, I just, yeah, I, I don't doubt that you'd still fucking rip. You know, the endurance was the, and like my conditioning was the number one issue I have. That's like oh, my number one, like getting fucking, back on a bike. You're a professional gambler, bro. <laughs> you, yeah, right. You live right. the exact opposite the num- lifestyle. Exactly. I sit down for a living. Uh, but the number two thing that was like more relevant to riding is all of the tiny, tiny details of like, like exact body position, yeah. like exact this, like at what point in turn entry do you break and what, to, you know, what point do you sit or stand like those little details. But all those dudes from that whole squad down in Temecula, all of them have helped me. And like in one day, like huge turnaround. Oh man. Yeah. It, it had come back so quick. Yeah. Like there's just so much of yeah. a. There's so much of like, uh, like Ricardo, for example, right? So like he'll talk about, oh, he'll do, uh, what's that? Is it fucking Jeddah, the gnarly track in Saudi? Is it with like the crazy small walls? Hey, you know, you've seen that, you know, the F1 track in, in 
uh, I think it's in Saudi. It's like literally like this. It's a, just fu- as, a, as, a, mm-hmm. as a, oh Baku, yeah. And I'm like, dude, are you fucking scared? Because I'm scared for you. And he's like, oh yeah. If you think about it, it's like the scariest, gnarliest shit ever. But he's like, when you do it for so fucking long, like you've just done it forever. You just get in and you just go into that mode, and you're not really thinking about it. And it'd be the same sort of shit with you. Like you've ridden a bike so much and fucking done so many motos in your life that there's just a certain level of it that is just in you now forever you know absolutely you know one thing i forgot real funny story i don't know why this popped into my head is um zach osborne's dad i don't know if you knew i I grew up riding with him too so his dad when we were younger used to rebuild all the dirt bike engines yeah his dad actually still owes my dad money for the last rebuild we ever did yeah so zach i'm coming for you dude no, that's I'm just kidding that's fucking funny did you so do you follow much of like professional racing nowadays or or like have you do you always still watch the watch the races and shit yeah i never miss a race bro i've watched every single race and i even once in a while will travel with the boys you know like we did the salt lake uh season closer last year sick um yeah, I hit. Every, if you're like even in like a reasonable distance of whatever city I'm in during a race, like I'm there. Yeah. And uh, like I a one a two Petco Stadium. Uh, this year I'm gonna hit the Coliseum. Yeah, dude, I'll um, be there too. I think. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I did actually miss last week Paula opener. I did miss it. I was gonna go, and the night before, just something came up, and I just couldn't make it happen. But I watched it. Yeah. So I definitely follow. I'm like fully immersed. What do you think about our boy Jetson? I have a slightly unpopular opinion. All right, hit me with it. I'm here for it. And I, and I don't think it ne- only affects him. My unpopular opinion is almost every fast 250 rider has been out for two years. So there's been no competition. So there's been no reference. Like, Jet is fast. He can race a one-man race, and he is fast. There's no doubting that. But if you put a healthy top 250 lineup together, I don't think he's clean sweeping, and I don't think Hunter's really getting that close either. And because of that, I had no opinion. Like, okay, Jet's gonna go into 450s. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know if he's gonna, you know, fare well or not. And he did, but we also don't have a full 450 top lineup. Yeah. You got three out of 10 top riders in the class. But he did, you know, he hit the trifecta this weekend. There's no doubting. Chase was there. There's no doubting. But I think that Chase isn't even a good reference point because I think Chase is coming in scared because he screwed up so bad last year, to be honest. I think he's trying to take a different approach, especially since Eli's gone, and he's only considering Eli's my main competition. So with Eli out, he's like, I'm just going to take, you know, a nice top-ish you know, finish and just coast through the season, not making any major mistakes. So I really don't know if necessarily Jet is as fast or will continue to be as fast as maybe a lot of the fans think he is. Well, I'll I'll continue. I'm Team Jet, but I'll continue your line. Yeah. Of, and like, I'm not against Jet. I, I'm not against Jet, by the way. No, no. I'll just I'll continue your line. Like I'll continue your thought. The other thing is is that Sexton hasn't done any riding at all on a on outdoors i mean a little bit here and there so i mean he's been solely focused on the supercross championship and apparently jet's been riding the 450 outdoors pretty much exclusively since daytona so like look i'm team jet but i'm just gonna like give you a little bit more to work with on your unpopular opinion i just 
I would love I love healthy competition. Yeah. I don't like when a rider clean sweeps. You know, I grew up riding with Eli and I love I support it and all this. But it's it's not good for the sport. It's less entertaining to watch. Yeah. I love a good healthy competition. I want to see all the top riders at their healthiest just going at it. I want to go into the last race of the season yeah. on the edge of my seat like this is going to a year's worth of work for today, you know. Yeah. So that's what I like to see. And I, you know, it would be nice to have everyone healthy in racing. Well, I mean, you know, as so like full obviously I'm Australian, Jets Australian, Hunter like they're literally like my boys. I like every anytime anyone asks me, I've like a hard patriotism rule, right? Like anytime anyone asks me any opinion of who's going to do, I just say Jet and Hunter. They're my fucking boys, right? And it's the same in MotoGP, right. it's Jack Miller, and it's the same in F1 it's Danny Rick like if you fucking ask me <laughs> I don't give a fuck who I think will actually win they're winning those races but there was definitely yeah. a part of me at Parlour when Jet was just fucking everybody up where I was like ooh this could be super boring if this keeps happening and it's like yeah. he is gonna do this like imagine if Jet does that every single weekend from like now for the next fucking five years it would be like back in the day. It'd be like, yeah. like what is it, 06 era when we're watching Sean White and everybody's only aiming for second place as like yeah. the best possibility. Yeah. It would be like an odd thing for the sport. I also don't, I got to be realistic. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. You get Anderson back, you know, you get uh, 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 Webb fine tuned, you get yeah. Mookie back. I, I just can't see, I mean, Mookie's so fast now. He's so fast and he's hungry and he's angry. I just can't. Eli comes back. I mean, I can't see, I can't see it happening that way. Yeah, and I think too, like Parlor was one of those tracks where there's like a ceiling on how fast you can go, and I think that's why mm. Jet was able to win those motos the way that he did. Especially, well, the first one he got like six seconds in three laps, and then just didn't drop that lead. But the second one was crazy strategic for Jet, and it was actually a pretty brilliant ride and. People, it's funny, we actually, in the office, like, we all went back and we're looking at comments because I've been Team Jet since, like, he literally signed, you know, and I was telling people that this is what he was going to do. And uh, we were reading all these comments of, like, you're overhyping this kid, bro. Like, and I was like, okay, well, uh, turns out I was, like, I was pretty fucking right. But that race, like, I would, I'd compare him to James. I'd be like, he's the next James. He's the new James. And people would be like shut your fucking mouth yeah see that was the reaction but james would have to win races by like a crazy margin you would never really saw james win a moto by two seconds the way that jet did so like hear me out this is the fucking this is the high level chess that jet played in the second moto at parlor he basically ripped the start got a certain comfortable lead and then kept Sexton behind him, covered every single inside line so that if Sexton was going to make the pass, he would have to go around the outside of him, which would mean he would have to ride the track faster than the track could actually be written. You know, like James never fucking did that. James was the, I want to win every moto by a minute 30. I'm going to fuck these people up. And that's my, that's my deal. He never had that gear that Jet did. And for Jet to do that in his first ever for, for a full-time 450 race outdoors, that to me, I'm like, he's playing chess. These other motherfuckers are playing checkers. Checkers. I don't disagree with the theory that he's really being smart. Yeah. But I don't, like, I don't, 
I don't, how to say, like, I don't think that the level of intelligence in the current field is so high that it's that hard to be that much smarter at, on one sample sizing, it was one race. Yeah. I th- well, so you know, that, again, I think like that's my so sorry. Yeah. I I probably should have kept building on that point, but basically, not every track's going to be like that. Red Bud, you're going to be able to send it far. There's not like a limit that the track's going to give you. Hangtown is probably going to be a hard limit track, depending on the way the prep is. But you get to like Red Bud, you get to like there's going to be Bud's Creek, Iron Man. Like there's going to be a bunch of tracks where you can. There's no real ceiling. Like, you can fucking send it. And I think that's where it's going to be a little bit... The the racing that you're predicting will probably come into play more in those places. Something else is... I think Jet is like a soft rider. And I mean that in the sense of... Barsha, yeah, yeah. Mookie, <laughs> yeah. Anderson. Yeah. Could, you know what I mean? Somebody's going to clean Jet out. Someone's going to... A vet is going to come in and let him know that he's a rookie. I, I'm just imagining that this will happen because some of these guys are just so angry and hungry. Yeah. And Jed is like, I don't want to say he's not. I can't say it like that because he's working so hard and he's so fast and he's so good. He really is, you know. But somebody's going to really come in and show him, I think, another side that he might not have really encountered before. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I could, I think I could see it. Dude, how much damage could that motherfucker do? if you took him to like a casino and to be like around some of the fucking <laughs> chicks and shit that you're around. Oh, oh Jet? Oh, fuck. Oh, Jet. I mean, he's, he's just like, you know, this cute little kid. I mean, it's gotta be great, but you know, he's like kind of like a rock star still. I mean, oh, it's gotta dude. be, it's gotta be a fun time. Gotta be fun. He There's could, no way it couldn't be a blast. He could do some serious damage. I hope he never learns yeah. how fucking hot he actually is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could put up some serious numbers, bro. Like, I'm sure of it. Like David sure Beckham is. numbers. Ah, you know, it's just really not fair to be that good at something and that good looking. Oh, like probably hung like sea biscuit. Man, imagine. I, I've never, I've never seen Jet's dick. Right. <laughs> I'm hoping that it's. I'm hoping that it's small. Just it's the only way to just balance mid. this out. Just no, give I'm us hoping that it's. Mid. Yeah, just something to give the rest of us a chance. Like me, okay, so I have certain things I'm good at, but I look like a bridge troll, okay? <laughs> I give everyone a fair shot, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, that's fucking so funny. Dude, what, when did you, like, the tattoos thing? Like, you went fucking in on the tattoo thing. So, like, to talk, you want, yeah. gives you a certain look and vibe. Like, when did that fucking start? When I was a uh, uh, 15 I think I was straight out of juvenile prison and like two months after I got released I went to uh, Miami and when I was in Miami um, I had these fake IDs that when I was even younger my grandparents bought me so that way they can take me gambling right (laughs) so I always held on to these IDs so when I went to Florida I took a little trip to South Beach and using my fake ID I got my first tattoo but I didn't just get one I got two actually I got some letters that went from shoulder to shoulder and then I got something on my lower stomach so I got two at the same time my first time and just never looked back and then for just so you know four years ago five years ago like five years ago I stopped getting tattooed I've only been tattooed I think three times in five years I actually started removing them so I've been removing my tattoos like for like close to half a decade or something now yeah right What's the what's the theory yeah, my, there? Having tattoos is a really bad idea. Like everything that like the the elder people, the older, wiser, experienced in life people told me, everything came out to be true, but I was just so young and dumb yeah. that like 
you know, I just didn't listen. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't listen. I was rebellious or whatever. And, like, there's so many factors that came into exactly why did my one of my forms of rebellion come out in the, in the form of tattooing myself. But ultimately, like, all of it was a bad idea. Uh, everywhere I go, there's judgment casted on me. Everywhere I go, I'm treated a little bit differently because of how I look. I have to wear certain clothes, and I can't wear certain clothes because of the way I look. Um, I have to, like, act a certain way. People treat me, like whether they think it's good or bad, you know, everything is is a huge, like, cast of judgment, whether people think it's positive or negative. But ultimately, and something people don't really talk about is how I feel about myself when I look in the mirror. Mm. And when I look in the mirror and I'm reminded of all these, like, moments in my life or experiences or circumstances or feelings or memories or whatever it is, it, this inner self-reflection is usually really poor and negative. And then I'm thinking really poorly and negatively about myself. Yeah. And, you know, everywhere I go, I see a reflection of my own face or my body. And I'm only like having these inner negative self-thoughts. And then I act internally as if I am still like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, I definitely can see, yeah, see what you mean there. Do you, you're like a, not to take it like in a fucking different kind of pivot direction but i guess we'll just go all over for the next little bit but um yeah i mean you just you seem like a super fucking sensitive dude like and you're a smart dude too you know what i mean like and i think that like me and my my fucking wife talk about it you know like sometimes you'd be like you see a lot of dumb and happy people (laughs) you know and you see a lot of smart and sad people and i think that there's definitely a i'm fucking generalizing majorly here so like like everyone just fucking know that but i think that you know there's a certain curse that comes with like a level of intelligence you know like you probably think about shit super super deeply and then you kind of can't when there's like a when you're a sensitive kid at the same time then you kind of can't help but like feel those things to the level which you can think about them as well you know i always i agree just so you know but like i always try to like look at their i always like convince myself that I'm not sensitive and I'm super cold or whatever but a couple years ago there was like some series of tragedies that happened not that I want to get into details but I just remember when this was happening I could no longer pretend that I wasn't feeling what the the things that I was feeling yeah they were just the most strongest emotions I've ever had in my whole life that I had to face them so for the last couple of years I just sort of came to terms like I do think I have a lot of sensitive sensitivity something else that happened is as I got this fame people started like picking me apart on like any single thing yeah. like they're gonna they're, I have people that are gonna watch this interview and make subreddit threads about you know whatever they're gonna pick it apart they're gonna look for details they're gonna look for my Loretta's record not yeah, even knowing like yeah. what my actual full name is and then they're gonna post something like oh there's no Mickey Mays and it's cause yeah that, you know that's not my full <laughs> that you know, ain't me G <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly you know what I mean and, and so I started to realize that I am sensitive and um and I don't know, man, it's just like, um, I think that what happens and thank you for saying I'm smart, but do not give me too much credit. I think what happens is a certain acuity of awareness and the more aware I become or recognize conscious, uh, you know, pieces of awareness, um, I think I realize there's like more depths to things and it's not just always at face value. Yeah. And then when you're considering what's beneath the the surface, you have to consider motives also like yeah, I'm sitting at like a gray countertop, but there was a reason this company chose gray because they could have chose any color in the world. And then I start thinking the good reasons they chose it. And I'm like, no, it's more likely the bad reasons. And then the bad reasons are all like about manipulation and persuasion and 
economics and greed and lust. And I'm like, wow, they're using and abusing me to buy this great table. Well, my true choice would have been to pick a pink table or something. And it, I know that sounds like such a far out or eccentric example, but I think like every single thing as a consumer and every citizen of the world as a consumer, I think once you realize these certain you know, pieces of awareness that I think there is like a lot of negativity and evil things in the world and uh, builds a lot of fear and I get scared and and I don't know I when I'm scared I feel more vulnerable when you're vulnerable you're more sensitive and so I think that's sort of the chain of events that happens in my subconscious yeah yeah I think that there's definitely um I mean I I feel like I went through my whole 20s and just with like zero awareness of what you're sort of talking about you know like I feel like I had a certain self-awareness of uh like the the way that I like my thoughts and actions would like impact people. But I definitely don't think I had awareness to the level of like understanding how the, how your mind really works with thoughts and how, what feelings really are. And like, I mean, I think meditation was like a massive thing. Like I got kind of like super into that maybe like four or five years ago, actually sort of like when the podcast started. But I think that anytime that, your ego like really gets challenged and put front and center and i think that's probably what you experience when you get like a certain level of fame you know like people really challenge your ego like they challenge the person that you put out into the world like your own idea of yourself and then it kind of like forces you to like as you said look in the mirror you know and i think uh i think that that's why people are it's like quite interesting people that go through that process because it really your ego gets torched and like put out on display and then you get like you get forced to look at everything you said the way that you're acting like so yeah it's uh it's a fucking it is a crazy ride to to kind of be on and then when you're i don't know whether you can't like help but be sensitive or when you are a more kind of like sensitive person because like, I mean, you can tell in all, like, the interviews that you've done and, and the shit that I've seen. Like, you're a smart and, like, a kind person. Like, you like people to feel good. You, you've got, like, good charisma, good energy, never, like, negative. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's like a... Yeah, I guess it's a, it's a just a unique position you found yourself in when it comes to that. No, I'll tell you this, too, and this took me a long time to realize. I had to do a lot of inner work. Uh, I have a fear of not being wanted I have a fear of not being accepted and I have a fear of not being liked that's you know, I everyone. want people to like me yeah yeah I mean but some people build these like coping mechanisms where they'll push people away so they don't even have to ever face it They're like 100%. I'm not even gonna let you get close enough yeah you know and then and then as like I don't know when I've been put in a lot of these circumstances like through this fame or whatever like if my let's say my I have an end goal let's say I have a reason that I want to continue down this path of fame or recognition let's say well, to do that, you have to be liked and wanted and accepted or nobody will, you, you can't be famous. Like, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So like I had to really like face myself and face like, I do want, I do want to be liked. I do want to be wanted. I do want to be accepted, you know? So how can I do that while staying true to myself? And then certain times people will pick that apart. They're like, oh, he's being fake or always oh, being this. And I'm like, bro, I worked so hard to be vulnerable just so you'll like me. Yeah. And then you're, t and then you're shutting me down. And then it hurts my feelings, you know? Yeah, I think I think that that I mean I can completely relate, bro. Like I I think I spent I probably spent like the fucking first fuck twenty five years of my life like trying to be 
trying to be liked, trying to be, you know, cool, trying to have, you know, like these fucking people around me. Like exactly what you said. I want to be liked. I want to be. But then I think that it's like fucking sand, you know, like the harder you grip on the sand, the more that it slips through your fingers, you know, like the people that, yeah. and it, it was crazy for me. I have a younger brother where we're only like 18 months apart, but he's like same effortlessly cool, you know? So I think like <laughs> I overanalyze, like I looked at him, I'm like, he's so cool. He's so this, he's so, you know, I wanted to be more like him. But again, it's like the more you want something, the more you grab onto something, it sort of like slips through your fingers. Like I think people can see through the, the, that want. And you know, that's, that's the thing that people pull apart. And I think as soon as I, I just got to a point where I just stopped, like literally stopped giving a fuck. And then I think that when you, when you do stop giving a fuck and if you're, I think that life's about your intentions too, you know, like if your intentions are genuine, like if you're sitting here in this interview and you generally want, like genuinely want to be a good dude, you genuinely want to be nice to people, you, you have these like genuine feelings and genuine intentions, then you can fucking take your hands off the wheel, you know, like you can make mistakes, you can you fuck up you can say the wrong thing you, whatever and and then you just come out you're like ah bleh, fuck i fucked up sorry like i get i'm human you know i think that when once mm. you do take the hand off the wheel if your if your intentions are genuine fucking go on autopilot go through life like and let your intentions guide you in that sense you know i agree it's a learning journey i'm still on you know i'm trying to find like the sweet spot i'm also scared to be too like honest or vulnerable with my emotions because I, I I've come to realize you know I do have like I'm sensitive sometimes or whatever and I get scared that someone might reject me you know a fear of rejection or or not being accepted or whatever yeah so I don't know it's like a tough place just it's just all part of the learning deal but yeah. I, you know what's funny bro I used to like see these things that like when I was younger like how we'd look at adults when we were kids we'd look at yeah, adults yeah. and be like oh that's a grown-up they know what they're doing like they're they got it going on well, now we are those grown-ups, and I realize all of us have no idea what we're doing. Anyone who tells you they know what they're doing is lying. All of us are just every single day making our best guesses. Yeah. Dude, you're so fucking right. Like, I mean, I don't know if you've got to this point, but there's definitely... I got to a point where I was like, oh, my parents have still no fucking idea. And all those things... I think so many of us have trauma from our parents and our child. Like, I made my childhood out to be so much worse than what it actually was now that I'm fucking sure. in my thirties and looking, I'm like, dude, sure. my dad was just doing his best. Like he had this fucking yeah. shitty job and he was making no money and he had three fucking kids. And like his, that was hard shit. Like, of course he was, you know, had this, this blah, 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 you know? So it's like, I think when you, yeah, yeah you get old enough to realize that your parents were just fucking failing upwards as much as you feel like you are in your own life, you know? Yeah, I also made my childhood out to be worse than it was. But something interesting is we don't have reference. No, so no, yeah, hundred percent. You know, when you're let's say eight years old and you're I don't know what your dad yells at you and then your mom grounds you, whatever, right? That feeling you have at eight years old of that sadness or the anxiety or whatever, that could have been the worst you ever felt in your life at that point. But when you like look back at it thirty years later, you're like. It was a baby little eight-year-old problem, you know, yeah, like, yeah. but at the time, that's actually the worst you ever felt in your whole life, but you're only eight, so you didn't have a reference. Yeah, dude, there's literally know? a saying, the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Like, you've got no, yeah. you've got no fucking idea. Exactly. You, you don't, you don't know what you don't know. 
Exactly, exactly. But yeah. it's just, it, I guess the, it's a bummer then when you take that energy and, you know, for you, you like, you chose to fucking, I'm sure, start hanging around with some shitty people, start doing yeah, drugs, yeah. like, and it sort of manifests yeah, yeah. in that way, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, looking back, if I could like redo things a hundred percent, I would, um, but I can't. Yeah. So that's really it. You just got to keep building on what I got now and the awareness or whatever, the whatever, you know, the experiences. Well, I think it, on one hand though, like, I mean, I'm sure that there was probably some real fucked up things in your life that you would take back or like do differently again. But then I also think that of course you're in a, like a unique position now, man, you know, like you're a super well-known dude. You've obviously got like this fucking weird ability with gambling and it resonates with people. And I mean, there's a lot of people that you could probably stop from doing those fucked up things. And like, imagine if someone, imagine if someone came to you or you had like definitive proof, like a fucking crystal ball or something and you look in it. Right. And then you're like, you see a dude watching YouTube, watching one of your interviews that, like decides to change his life and it's like at that point there's like this fucking t-junction where if he didn't see the interview with you he goes and overdoses on drugs and dies and then because he sees your interview he goes right and fucking lives happily ever after it's like if you genuinely got faced with that and you knew it to be a fact and then then like let's say god was like all right all right mickey you can I'll you can go back and get a chance to relive all your fucking your life and do it perfect but then this guy has that drug overdose and dies you would probably you'd probably be like you know what fuck it I'll get the tattoos I'll do the drugs I'll go to jail oh, and I'll end up right here just so that guy can stay alive cuz that's probably the fucking reality that is so deep bro that is so heavy wow and that's that probably happened so that's probably heavy. happened well so I get DMs without exaggerating every day. I don't want to say I get more than one. Maybe So let's just say I get one a day, but it's every day, seven days, you know, for the last few years about how I somehow indirectly save someone's life. Like exactly the example you gave, like at least once a day, I'll get some kind of message. I did start a foundation a few months ago. It's called Shaken Hearts and yeah. you can find it on Instagram. And for free, we take anybody who re for free, anybody struggling with uh, mental health, like depression, anxiety, gambling addiction, drug drug addiction, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, any of those factors, and for free, we'll find you the best possible treatment options in your area. Um, and I do my best to give back, you know, and, and I don't drink, I don't drug, I don't smoke cigarettes, I don't curse, I don't, I mean, there's other things, I don't, I also don't drink caffeine, I don't eat sugar, I don't, whatever, you know, no pork, whatever. The only thing I basically do is I vape and I gamble, right? But um, I do my best to like stay on that path of being able to like spread awareness or help people. And, and you know, through Shaken Hearts, we've definitely helped a lot of people, but I wish I could help more. I want to help as many as I can. Um, I needed help when I was younger, yeah. you know, and um, I was like a charity case myself. I didn't have money and I was like in and out of homelessness and just like a problematic person, like a younger person. And uh, enough people offered me help that eventually I took it and, you know, now you know life's giving me some blessings and and some beautiful opportunities um yeah i don't know that's like a deep thing to think like if i when i die that i sit in front of god and he says i'll let you go back and redo everything if you want but then all the people that you saved you will not have the opportunity to save and they'll die and then i have the choice to do it or not 
I would not be able to give you an answer. Like I really have to think about it. It comes down to a level of selfish versus selfless. But then also like, I don't know, could you, can you, can you, without saving those people, can you find another way to save people? Like how many people did I hurt or kill along my path that I took on my current path? Is that more or less than the people I helped or saved now? You know, because if I can go back and not do any of it and no one got hurt because of me to begin with, then it's that many less lives needing saving because of me. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, okay. That's one way to fucking spin it. I'm not sure. I don't know. I never thought of it. That's like deep. I never thought about it. I don't know. So what was the what was the drug that got you fucked up? All of them. Really? All of them. Yeah, I, I, I live under full pressure, full intensity, full everything. I, I want the greatest and most impactful experiences I can have, whether synthetic mm. or organic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a type of person that is completely down with chaos. And, you yeah. know, like, that. I, I think about it in... Like, I'm not a gnarly example of it. Like, I... I I guess I like have a toe dipped in this in this water but I kind of see it you know like I grew up in I had it was like a kind of crazy place like my parents bought this fucking house off a plan like out of town in in like this small new suburb and uh and then right after they like everything got developed it basically got turned into a housing project so there were like a few streets Mm -hmm. that were like normal that people bought off the plan and then it, I don't know whether it like didn't sell or like what the deal was but yeah then like the rest of it went to housing commission so I was like a kid that had like a really nice loving parents like both my parents were together best family in the world and then all around me were fucking kids that were on drugs like my best friend's dad was a fucking gnarly drug dealer like I was at his house when multiple times when he like beat the shit out of his mom and like were fucking hiding out of bed mm. like so I got to, I lived like this fucking gnarly life by proxy and then I'd go home to my bed and my fucking nice parents and then there'd be a bunch of kids that'd come and stay at our house. Like, so I kind of... Yeah. And then as we got into high school, they were selling drugs and like it was just a... It was like a gnarly way to grow up, but I was fairly protected from it, you know? And I just... I wonder about like the impact that that makes on your life of being like around chaotic shit from a super young age, you know? Like I'm... And even now, like I'm down to just fucking move my whole life in a day and I'm like... I. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, so I've got a little bit of it, but I never, I never went fucking gnarly bad with drugs. Like I never, I never got in the kind of trouble that my friends got in. And like, I literally, this, this mate I'm talking about, he, uh, I just saw him for like the first time in two years. Like he was at my wedding and he was like, man, remember Dan's dead. Fucking this dude's dead. Like this chick, dude, she lost her kids recently. Like the fuck socials. She got crazy bad on meth. Like, it's just fucking insane the the way that you know some people can go so it's like i get with you that level of just down to be in the fucking chaos like where can this experience take and i mean it probably that's why you're yeah. fucking sendy on a dirt bike too you know you're just like down to see where the shit goes you know it's so funny i used to have that train same train of thought i used to actually like low-key blame my dad uh for like living such a chaos for me growing up to be be someone who lived so full sendy chaotic life because i was like i was a baby my brain was still developing and you put me on a dirt bike and i'm sending it and like doing crazy things only thinking you know like i began to like develop a a thought that was like this is the only way to live like pinned full throttle you know six gear tapped that's it so when i got older i continued living like that 
and then I but now all these years later obviously was not my dad and again like we said he was just doing his best he yeah. obviously didn't want to put me in harm's way he was doing his best he thought it would do the opposite but like and for half a lot of, of us, kids it does do the opposite exactly half of us went on to yeah. be like some of the top pros that are still in the circuit and the other half of us went on to be problematic and then I look at kids that never raced they never raced dirt bikes they never drag race they never like did those things half of them are like great human beings the other half like were problematic yeah. so there really is like nowhere to put that blame maybe it's just who I am like you know and those are the external circumstances are built around who I actually am anyway yeah or maybe there is some effect that it had to just being Sandy in my life yeah but it also played like good roles like I would not have accomplished all the things I did in life if I didn't reach for the absolute ceiling in yeah, everything yeah, I touched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like a there's a weird mentality that I feel like guys like you have to where they kind of like just believe that they can do the things that they're doing. Like, I mean, some of the fucking gambling shit that you've done. Like, I've watched a bunch of YouTube videos and that, and just like crazy fucking hands bro like just millions of dollars in fucking in you know poker tournaments that's on tv and you can just like sit there be chilling like there's a there's a a a very unrelatable level of self-belief that you have to have to like sit there and do that shit like i think there's like one video i watched it's like this is the greatest poker bluff of all time <laughs> yeah you know a lot of people call it delusion just so you yeah, know bro for you real know, that's what it is <laughs> the, I live in this state of delusion, except that it's supported by action. Yeah. So every so often, my action will meet the delusion that I had in my mind, you know? And that's when we make history. That's when these historic events take place. Yeah, so you can't be the you that can do that shit without being that chaotic, fucked up dude that's lived this gnarly life that you've lived, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. So it's like this weird double-edged sword, you know? But... um all I know is that I'm here and I can't change the past. So like, yeah. I'm just going to keep on keeping on, you know? Yeah. Um, I had something I wanted to say on that. I forgot what though. Um, oh, you want to know how I realized? So this like delusional, false, like self yeah. feeling of belief or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can tell you the first time I had those feelings where I realized that there's no cap, right? Like there's no limit. And it was always about getting in trouble. When I was like really young, I remember that I would like do something bad, like in school, and they'd like give me a punishment, like detention or whatever. And I'd be like, okay. I'd be like, I wonder what would happen if I did something worse. And I'd do something worse, and it was the same consequence, yeah. or, like more detention. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'm like, how bad can I be before there's a different consequence? Yeah. And then it'd only be like, okay, now you're suspended for three days. And so then I realized no matter how bad I was, there was no limit to how crazy I could be in school because the consequence is always the same. Yeah. Like nothing actually ever ever happened. Yeah. And then I just like kept building on that. I was like, I, you know, people are like, you can't just go to a restaurant and be loud. And I will just scream on top of my lungs. And there's, what are you going to do? There's no consequence. And I'm like, don't say you can't do that because you can do it. And it's like this concept of this like delusional, you know, false sense of belief, like continue to build on that. There, Everybody's like, you can't do that. It's not doable. Don't do that. You can't. You can't. I'm like, my man, you absolutely can <laughs> watch me do you. it. I promise you, <laughs> yeah. you can. <laughs> yeah. Dude, no. Yeah, you I, know, I, I, I get it, man. You can't just pick up and leave and move to L.A. because you feel like it today. <laughs> Who's going to stop me? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that there's like a, 
but it's it's weird though right because you've got this like fear of not being liked and this fear of being judged on the one hand but then on the other hand like you also don't give a fuck (laughs) because you can't you can't give a fuck and then follow through with those kind of actions you know like it's weird how those two things don't exactly sit together there's a term i forget the term it's um dang it's like what do they call it like an egomaniac with low self-esteem dang there's like a term but it's like an oxymoron there's like a a term that describes that kind of characteristic Uh i forget what it is it's it's a very volatile mix i'll tell you that i forget what the actual term is but it's it does describe me as well as a lot of other people i know yeah and uh, it's very volatile yeah you know we'll do something really crazy delusional whatever and even accomplish it and then we'll self-reflect and doubt about it you know and then we'll hate ourselves for accomplishing something we set out to succeed in yeah yeah there's a weird thing though that i i kind of i don't know if you could relate to it but like what i did before the podcast is like film i used to like music videos and dirt bike videos and fucking all that shit and i would be so anxious about it to the point where like i didn't want to do it and it was the same every fucking time and it's like the same before a podcast like i'm here way too early I'm making sure everything's fucking do- like every I've got this crazy anxiety and thinking like I'm about to fuck it up and then you like it that anxiety like pushes you through it and it's like a weird it's almost like what you're talking about where it's like you've got this crazy self confidence but then also like this extreme level of self doubt and it's like does the self doubt is that what then like creates the confidence because you've spent so much time like doubting every single I don't know it's fucking weird I don't know either, but I can tell you this, despite any emotions or feelings I've ever had, if I've pre-committed in my head, like if I've committed to do something, I am pushing through and doing it no matter what. Yeah. So like fear or no fear, like I'm still move, I'm still trudging on. Well, that's like Travis Pastrana would say that, like I've had him on the podcast and a bunch of different conversations with him and he's like, yeah, I'm scared because I'm like the opposite, especially when it comes to like dirt bikes and shit like that. There's like a level where I'm just not going to do it. I'll stop at the hard fear barrier because it just is what it is. And then there's, other, and I would have said like, oh, he's got no fear. And that's what people would think about. Like dudes like you, Travis, like those kind of guys that would do that crazy shit. And they'd say like, oh, he mustn't be scared. But you're right. Like there's some guys where they're like, once they fucking make up their mind that they're doing it, they're doing it come hell or high water. Yeah. Travis is... um. What a unique human being. Um, yeah, that's all, that's all I can say. Because, you know, like for me and you, who are probably a little bit more normal or tame in <laughs> that regard. Yeah, you know, like he'd be like, hey, let's go try to do this trick that science says our bodies can't handle the G-forces on. Me and you are going to be like, nah, I'm out. you know, we're good. Yeah, yeah I'm out. And, and somehow he is still a human like us. So he still processes the same emotions, I assume pushes through and like sends it you know i don't know it's like it's ridiculous to me actually it's like ludicrous yeah yeah no i'm with you how um so when you like when you said you were addicted to to drugs and you went down that path like what how did you get off that shit and like how bad was that because i can i can imagine that a like drug addiction like a gnarly drug addiction would be probably one of the gnarliest things that a human can go through um, it was tough and it took a lot of trial and error. I wasn't like, like I had, um, I'd wanted to like straighten out and clean my life up like many years before I did. 
I'd made many feeble attempts. I'd made many strong attempts. Uh, ultimately, I just was so defeated at the end of it that I was just willing to take any direction from anybody because there's like I had a proven track record of only being able to make poor and wrong decisions. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. if you, if you, you know, like, and I couldn't shy away from it. I couldn't like pretend that my track record of absolute destruction didn't exist at some point in my life. So you could have been a total stranger. You could have been like another homeless person sitting next to me in the same park. And if you gave me advice, I was going to take it because I knew for sure mine wasn't going to work. So yours at least had some chance. And finally, I just, um, I was put into an environment around people that had also like straightened themselves out and they're my friends a long time. And I just did whatever they said. I just took all their direction. They were like, jump. And I said, how high? And I had done that. They said, now you're going to get a job. And I went and got a job. They said, now you're going to go here. You're going to eat that. You're going to sit like this. You're going to talk to this person. You're going to not talk to that person. Whatever it was, I just did it. And slowly, it wasn't like overnight, I saw this gradual shift in my life where I had already been given like the outline on life. Like in this situation, this is your response. In this situation, this is your response. So rather than tell me like where I'm going to eat and when I'm going to eat, I had began to understand why they were saying that. So I already started to have the answers and the, 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 the guide, you know, the guidebook or whatever. And I saw this like gradual shift in no longer having to ask when to go to the bathroom and just knowing when the right times to go to the bathroom were. Yeah. Yeah. So like literally you just started life again. You're just like a fucking puppy basically. A hundred percent. I actually refer to like that time in my life as such. I was like reborn like everything was a new experience like the first time I slept with a woman once I like you know shifted over it was almost like I lost my virginity again because it was the first time I was experiencing it in those circumstances first time I went to a concert first time I went to a roller coaster mind you I'd done all these things in the past but now it was literally like my first time all over again and it was from a totally different perspective and now um I'm able to fully experience these things. Like I could be there for the full purity of the moment. When When I go to Six Flags or whatever, I am fully experiencing it. When I go to a party, when I go to a concert, an event, or I'm with a woman, or I'm on a date or whatever, I am fully immersed um, immersed in the purity of the moment like whether it's good or bad i have the full experience of it yeah yeah are you one of the ex-drug addicts well i guess you never an ex-drug addict uh but do you do you miss drugs i mean drugs are pretty sweet while they're sweet but when they stop being sweet they're so god dang bad they're so sour you know yeah like everybody around me basically does drugs recreationally yeah yeah yeah. and occasionally some of them will cross the line where it's no longer recreationally and something that's like interesting is they know like where i'm at and i'll be there with them and they'll be like hey bro i just crossed the line i need help and i'm able to offer them help and like watch them blossom into new people and give them the guidebook that was given to me you know and um all to do is like follow those steps and uh It's like a beautiful thing to watch their transformation around me. But, you know, before I like became a public figure or whatever, nobody, even like some of my good friends didn't even know that I was uh, straight edge or sober or nothing Um, because I always stayed very anonymous, very private. And like it wasn't there was like a time and place for me to share that information. And it usually was never. Yeah. Yeah. The only time I used to the only time I used to ever share that information about myself is if I thought that it was going to help the person I was speaking to. Mm. And um it was like so otherwise it was super rare that I would speak about it. I had a 
I remember like one of my exes, we lived together for three years. For the first six months that we were already moved in together, she had no idea that I was actually like straight edge or anything. She just like never really thought about it. She just thought like I didn't drink that much or mm. like I always drove so she didn't. So she was like, oh, he's just a safe driver. He doesn't want to drink and drive. So it took her six months after we already lived together for her to actually realize and just ask me outright, like, are you completely? And I'm like, yeah, completely, mm. you know? So now... It's like my least favorite topic, but as we kind of said earlier, I do get a lot of people that contact me that say that hearing me share part of this message had inspired them to try to better their lives. And I hope I saved as many lives as the people tell me I did. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but I, it, it's super interesting to to me, like just from, you know, I've definitely in the past have done drugs recreationally and like you, you know you could just see and i've been around people that have had like crazy drug problems and then the the i guess like i said the way that i kind of grew up like it was i only ever saw it in like the gnarliest context that it could kind of be and it wasn't until i was like in other places where i was like oh people do this shit for fun you know um but i can just i can imagine how fucking gnarly it would be to kind of like pull yourself out of that hole you know and a lot it's a lot about the story of like who that you tell to yourself about yourself and it's very very hard to rewrite those scripts about who you are and what you do yeah you know what sucks too because of the way i look the people that don't like me throw it in my face all the time they could accuse me of still being on drugs and like you know they're like how can uh bridge trolled looking junkie ever have accomplished that you know and i'm like yeah i still look like a bridge troll but the rest of it you know it's not accurate yeah yeah and so how then did the like so you were kind of obviously around the casinos and shit your grandparents got you the the fake ids but when did it's like gambling almost like your new motocross like it's like you need something to be like crazy focused in on and develop a talent and develop a skill and like attack it with that same level of enthusiasm that you did as a kid it was i mean i've been around it my entire life like i grew up in like these new york city card rooms you know like that was like my childhood and again like i didn't know what it was same like dirt bikes you know like i didn't know i was just that's like how i grew up like we're having a family dinner and it would be at the card room with all these like people like now as an adult i know who they were or who they are but i didn't then there i just thought it was like auntie whoever uncle whoever yeah yeah so gambling gambling was just what i i didn't have reference again i just thought that's what life was you know and um and then my grandparents who had they had started raising me when i was pretty young um around the time i quit motocross ish and uh because i just became so problematic but uh for my parents who are still great parents and i'm very close to them today but uh my carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you because at carmax we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car you should love your car that's why every car we sell is carmax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer so don't settle Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch 
Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Grandparents were full-time gamblers, you know, so that's what we did. We traveled and gambled, and um, now I'm pretty burnt on gambling. I'm banned from almost every casino. I have, like, pretty big limitations nowadays, so I don't play as nearly as often as I used to play. Now I'm, like, working on shifting my focus. What? Uh, where, where do you think you're going to kind of go to now in terms of shifting your focus? Um, mostly I think I'm looking towards, well, I, I'm starting a couple companies again. Uh, this is something I did, uh, before I went full-time gambling, but I'm starting a couple companies again. I don't want to speak on them yet cause they're yeah, not live. Fair. I don't want to yeah, be premature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but most of my energy outside of that is I'm going into Hollywood. Uh, we just finished filming a couple TV shows. Um, I'm filming a couple movies, um, like every day, another producer or another streaming service, Netflix, Hulu, Roku has contacted me. It's like, it feels like it's every day, um, making propositions like for TV shows and movies. So I think I'm going to start getting more into that. Uh, I'm, let me not misspeak. I am getting more into that. Yeah. I'm actually pretty happy about it. It's pretty cool, man. It's so weird. Cause like I look like this, so I feel like I can only do so much, but I'm being offered so many roles and so many movies and it's like kind of broad and it's really cool. I'm having a really good time. Have you done much acting and shit before? Nah, nah, definitely, definitely not. And I'd said this in the beginning. In the beginning, they wanted to make movies or TV shows about me where I don't have to act, just be me, which was cool. And then it started to shift into, hey, uh, we are also producing a film for Netflix about this. Nothing to do with you. You have a cool aesthetic. It would fit this character perfect. Do you want to play the role. And I'd said like, bro, I don't know how to act. They go, everybody's got an acting coach. Like you thought everybody was born with the acting bug. And uh, so I've been doing that. Actually, I met with one of my childhood heroes the other day. who's helping me uh, read some lines, Andy Milanakis. So I went over to Andy Milanakis's uh, place and he's just like helping me with my script, like reading lines with me. And I was like, this is ridiculous, you know? Dude, that's and super cool. It's just super cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, super cool. So do you have like an agent and shit? Like you kind of like fully gone down that path or it's mostly just been, been you? It, it's so weird how this happened. It's just been me. But everybody that's contacted me would be the people my it's the people that my people would try to get me in touch with anyway. So I sort of skipped all those steps and just went right to the producer, right to Netflix, right to Hulu. And, um, I'm going actually right now, uh, when we, when I leave here, I have to make a phone call to, to an agent. One of the producers suggested it because I don't understand the terminology. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's a big struggle and it's slowing down a lot of my processes because I have to like learn what it is we're even talking about yeah so i think i'm gonna get one which is gonna serve more as a mediator but to be honest it's it's just been me i'm just like a dolo one-man army yeah do you have like a do you have a team of people around you or you just kind of like do everything yourself like how does that shit work on a day-to-day i have a team around me and i've had a team around me a long time but at the end of all of it we all just are like become really good friends and this is probably my own thing but i always feel like i can do it better you know yeah, and i get really yeah. scared that that i'm going to allow someone either take advantage of me or i'm going to allow someone to drop the ball yeah you know so like even though i have a manager even though i have like what you know a rather large team of like top professionals i still like i, have, I don't know like to be in control like they'll like send me something and i'll be like that's interesting give me the guy's number and then take the rest of the conversation from there you yeah know? yeah so 
I have a team. Like, I technically have an I guess, agent. agent I guess. So in a uh, in an unusual twist of events, we started this podcast on the second of June, twenty twenty three, uh, and then we had a rare technical fuck up where we lost <laughs> the backup and the backup of the back. We just like literally lost everything. So I we did. E- yeah, I didn't even like understand when you were explaining it to me. I didn't either, to be honest. But it was one of those things. So for people that are watching this now. Me and Mickey were in the same place, but the previous one hour and thirty minutes, uh, we weren't in the same place. I was in Australia, you were you were here in this very room, uh, but now I'm here, and uh, I don't know, I'm not mad at it to be honest. So it's exactly half that we lost. Basically halfway through the podcast, we had one of the cords that goes to that red box just decided to just to stop doing its thing. I could still hear you; everything was sweet, not recording. And it was the second half that we lost. Yep. Do you remember yeah. any of the questions? Well, I actually went. Um, I actually went back through it. Hang on, just, I'll check this one last. Yeah, so I I literally just went back over the podcast a little bit before and just like figured out where uh, what we were missing. We sort of spoke about your racing growing up. Um, got a bunch into the drug addiction stuff, which is super gnarly, and like just still respect for that. Just to be living the life that you live in and around so much drugs and just to not be doing drugs it's so funny i talked to my boy today he was like one of the main um what do you say like people that like you know like helped me like change and and improve my life and um just today we're on the phone and we're just telling jokes and he's like he says something he's like i want to be like you like just joking to me and i was like bro i always try to just be like you and you are the way i am you know what i mean because he lived this life like He's like, yeah, like I don't really party anymore like that. But I would be around him and I'd be like, before I even knew all that, I'd be like, this dude is living the sickest life. He's just doing everything that's cool, everything, anything he wants. Yeah. And I was like, I want that. And it turns out he's like, oh, I used to have problems too. This is how I fixed it. Let me help you. Yeah. So like I um directed my like life after the way he directed his. Yeah. And now all you know, it's almost a decade later. He's calling me today like, bro, I, I want to live like you. And I'm like, no, bro, I'm always just trying to live like you, you know? Yeah. 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 No, it's crazy the, the the depths of like where you were, you know, like I was just listening back to it. Um, so, yeah, we kind of we went through that. And then we just started talking about you blowing up on Instagram mm-hmm. and how I said like literally the last thing that I was saying before it, it shit the bed was how it's like normally chicks that blow up mm. the way that you do like it's pretty rare for a dude to come along especially like you hear everybody say like you can't make it on instagram right now like you got to go something new or you got to like normally it's the people that are first on there that blow up but yeah you just came out the gate and uh i was late to all of it crazy all the social media i'm still like i don't even know what i'm doing i'm late to all of it i think my content's just really good and it's weird because like I literally don't know what I'm doing. Like when I started, so I was like, I don't, yeah. I was anti-social media my whole life. You know, yeah. I thought it was like the devil's tool for real. And, um, which you could argue it probably is. Yeah. Yeah. It probably yeah. still is. You know, yeah. I mean, I would say like 99% of social media is used for evil and damages yeah. and hurts people and doesn't help. And there's like 1% that it does help, I guess. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know. I just, yeah, I still don't even hardly know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. But I mean, just to show up, and blow up and i think it's what you said like good content you literally made this 
crazy like you looked very unique and then you just made this insane content and you were just like winning fuck tons of money like i remember the first time i come across your shit it was like you had like six million dollars in cash that you were just like moving around it's like it was just like it was fucking cool and it came from nowhere yeah and you know what's funny like the first um year like i'm in my third year now of ever having social media and in my first year none of it was um like for the first year every single piece of content was by pure randomness that there was even a photo or a video about it yeah yeah yeah. because before social media i was so anti-social media i was like i rather experience life now not later through a lens you Mm. know so like we never took selfies like me and my people like we never took selfies we never took videos we never took photos of anything because there's no need and like I don't know it just did it only seemed like a liability yeah so like whatever I had posted in my first year on any platform was like random stuff that just like somebody had had at some point it was only like in year two that I started taking content knowing that the purpose ultimately was going to be to get posted on social media yeah it was just I don't know it's just super raw super real just super like I don't know. It was just, I don't know. I just posted whatever. It was fun and it like yeah. went viral immediately. Yeah. So why were you against the social media from the start? Well, when I was young, I was a criminal. And so like definitely there's no need to mm. be a public figure. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> yeah. and I was very comfortable with like my anonymity. I was like, there was like, n- there was nothing an outsider was going to bring me that wouldn't have been a liability. There's no asset that is that would come from a stranger knowing who I am or anything about mm. me. I was like in my lane. I had my network. I had my routine. I had my people. I had been doing my thing. And I was very content and I was safe, you know? Mm. And like all my people felt that way. You know, the same reason like a lot of people use like aliases, you know, or a lot of people use nicknames or, or like burner, whatever, whatever reason it is like privacy and security Mm. and safety and privacy, I think is like something that like a lot of kids, I say kids, I'll say why, but I think a lot of kids, um, don't value like Mm -hmm. not even like a fraction of the value that privacy really has. And I think what happened is, and I talk about this all the time in my, in real life, you know how everybody's thing now is uh, share your location with me? Yeah, okay. never. Okay, let me tell you never. something. I will never. Bro, I, I think we're going to agree 100%, <laughs> right? Yeah, fuck that. We grew up our whole lives trying not to get tracked by the man, yeah. right? Like our whole purpose in life, like the biggest thing we got is like don't get in cars with strangers, you know, all these things that we do today. I My whole life for decades, my like number one thing is don't get followed don't get tracked don't tell people don't you know don't you don't want to be tracked and now it's like share my look if you don't share your location you're like not even in the friend group i'm like hey that's a group i don't need to be in never send a bitch your dot that's how you get shot (laughs) (laughs) yes word to my boy 21 yeah yeah yeah. so i think like this is weird thing these kids that are like coming of age or whatever the biggest thing is like, oh, she sent me her location, so that must mean we're serious. Or however they're like interpreting this. Yeah, no, 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 no. Miss me with that. I yeah. never even opened the app. I never downloaded it. I don't even know how it works. I don't want to know how it works. Yeah. You know. So I think like in this weird uh era that we're in now with these like kids coming into social media, coming of age, whatever, their whole thing is like they wanna be tracked, they wanna be seen, they wanna yeah. be found, they wanna yeah. be noticed, they want all this. For me, probably same like you, like in our era, it was the polar opposite. It was like, don't be seen, don't be followed, don't be tracked, be private. And like, 
Like Lil Wayne says, real G's move in silence like lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. Well, I mean, I also think it comes from people that, like, don't have any kind of, like, legitimate following. Or they're not a legitimate public figure. You know, like, it's, mm. it's one of those things. I mean, it was definitely, for me, anyway, like, when I started this, because I was, like, 29, 30 so I'd like lived a pretty full, like I'd lived a pretty full twenties by that point, you know? Mm. And I was like, dude, I, at no point, like I was so disillusioned with like people who were famous. Like I was around a lot of people who were famous. I'm like, it ain't what it's cracked up to be in a lot of ways, you know? And like, you just, there'd be a certain level where like I'm going, I go to places now and I'm like not announcing that I'm going to be there, mm. you know, and I'm, I'm in a different lane. Cause it's like very specific, like the people that know me, it's like in a certain world. Right. Sure. So it's like, I go, to, I know like, this is a hotspot. This is a place I can go be and like, no, no one will know who the fuck I am. But it's like, man, I think once you actually have places where you can go and be known by everybody, that's when you realize the value of being known by no one. Yeah, 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 100%. But these kids that live in that world, like, it's literally, they don't have that experience. So they're, They'll they're never looking, be recognized well, anywhere. They're, they're looking and, at it through, like, a different lens, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, they, they want to know what it's like to feel recognized yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So they're pushing the location and the yeah. posting. And, like, they're always, ta- everybody's always trying to flex and tag, like, where they're at. I don't know. And it was really hard for me to break through any of this content stuff to be honest and like just now you know i walked in on the phone with my sister who she she's she's pretty famous and uh like i'm like asking her advice i'm like what do i like should i just delete that like because it's a weird thing to be like the man that i grew into be which was privacy and no social media and like what does it even what does social media even help you know yeah Yeah. to like now i'm like whatever you know and uh like you're saying like where do i when do i not want people to know where i am stuff like that yeah so weird i'm still trying to learn and navigate yeah yeah has it been weird for you to go from like literally being nobody to a guy that you know people know and then especially i think here it's like it's such a scene here you know like you can just be at all these places where if you're at all these places you're in the scene and you know so it's like this is a definitely like a weird place where you can kind of like be that guy too you know um yeah it's a super weird breeding ground Mm. it's so interesting like so there's famous people that live here right then there's everybody else yeah and everybody else is always one degree of separation away from a famous person. That's so true. So it's really easy for everybody else to yeah. really confuse their role. You yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. it's the thing is that some of those people can maximize or capitalize or utilize the fact that they are only one degree of separation away. Yeah. But like even ninety nine percent of all of those people will the rest of us will spot a mile away. Like we know why we know what you're doing here. You're yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. not one of us. So like, what are you doing? You're there's only <laughs> yeah. one of the reason you're here, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just a weird breeding ground. I think it's like, I don't know. It's, it's so interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. We talked, uh, we did talk a bit about, I can't remember whether that I'm going to get fucked up on whether some stuff's in or like it was the f- wasteland mm-hmm. footage. Uh, but yeah, we talked about 
like social credits versus like money credits you know oh i hope that's in the, i can't remember if it is wow or not. i hope that's in bro that was such a, i forgot we talked about that yeah but that that's cool that's kind of what we're sort of talking about in this you know in this sense now is that it's like it's almost so much more <coughs> valuable these days to even have like a social status than it is to have like a monetary status yeah it was uh, uh the social credits having more value than like financial credits that's yeah. what we said right yeah 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 and it's true because i've been on like the, uh, the example i use like i was on a yacht in new york for president's cup for golf mm-hmm. and we were this it was like a crazy rich dude like owned this boat and no one gave a fuck like people wanted to talk to the people that had the social credits it was like the the rich dude was the one that was like funding the experience for everyone but it was like the chicks that were there did not give a fuck about that dude in particular like they actually wanted the famous people you know it was very interesting to watch that i swear to god i hope that's in the saved footage so bad that was such a good conversation yeah, it's true, 100%. 100%. Um, I'll tell you, like, like last night, so uh, so I'm, I'm really close with Young Gravy, yeah. and his album release party was last night. I bet he has a big cock. I can't what speak it? on yeah. it. You know, I don't know. He just seems like the kind of girl, like, he has, like, like act, you know how you can, like, uh-huh. big dick energy is, like, a, yeah. as an expression? Yeah, yeah. I feel like he actually has a big cock. Do you know how tall he is? Yeah, he's fucking massive. He's like seven. I think he's seven foot something, bro. Yeah, he's yeah, enormous. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But he's also really, really cool. He seems he's like a really fucking cool, cool guy. Yeah. Humble and yeah. cool. Like, like a like, seven foot Danny Duncan. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> so he so he texts me. He's like, "Hey, pull up," you know. So I go last night. Did he have a show up? No, it was a. It was such a unique venue. It was uh, actually right next to my house, and it was the parking lot. That you have to enter through an alleyway of a deli, like a local deli. Okay. It was super interesting, but it was super sick. It was like, and it was such a good time. <clears throat> and um, it was invite only. It was like very like strict on, you know, who was going to come and who's not. And it was like basically just friends only. There was no record label execs there. Nobody in a suit was there. It was only like friends, yeah. you know, and half his friends are like YouTubers, like all the Churdleys were there, like all those dudes were there. Trevor Wallace was there. Uh, Spencer Barrick, the porn star, was there. Actually, we actually went together, me and him. Um, Sky Bree was there. Like all, like you know, really, very yeah. interesting group of people, and it was like all people that that it was like fun, really fun to be around. Like no problem. And I remember there was a chick that I knew there who came up to me. <coughs> she gave me a hug and she goes, "Hey, how you been? Whatever." I'm said, "Good." She goes, "This is my my boyfriend." Whatever his name is. Steve. Yeah. Steve. Yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> exactly. Fuck Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hey, bro. And she goes, he's actually a huge fan of yours. Uh, he's been following you for a long time. You made him want to be like a poker player or whatever. And I said, don't do it. You know, don't. And he goes, yeah, it's just really cool to meet you. Thank you for saying don't, whatever. Yeah. She looks at me and she goes, he really needs a job. Do you know anywhere hiring? And I'm like. Walmart, bitch. Yeah. I'm like, I, I was like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. you know. And then she goes, well, he doesn't. He, he's on a visa. He's from Brazil. or I don't know wherever he's from. Uh, so he has to like do cash. And I was like, you ever heard of ready labor? She's like, no, what's that? And I was like, you just go in the morning. And there's like a list of companies hiring like a day worker. And yeah. if you're there, you get the job. And it's yeah. only for the day. And he was like just down to do whatever to make money. And I just saw like. 
we're in this incredible environment with some incredibly wealthy people, some incredibly not wealthy people, but the social credits because of her, but whatever, he still got to enjoy this thing. And it was so fun, you know, and the social credits brought him way further than the financial than the, credits. Yeah, because he, he can't buy tickets to that show. Yeah, he yeah, literally yeah. has no money. He's about to go to uh, ready labor and like get a job as a day laborer for like 50 bucks cash, right? Yeah. But he was still in this environment where, you know, me and whoever else that could have bought our way in in theory were there. But we all at the same time, no matter. Yeah, It was yeah, just yeah, you were yeah, invited because yeah, yeah, yeah. you were a, a cool person or the social credits or whatever it was and we just had a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it is interesting and, and it's, uh, but I mean, it, it makes i guess it makes sense when you really think about it but it probably shouldn't make sense like the money should be what what talks but i think if i just had to make up an answer if i had to make up a response right i guess i have two trains of thought the first is that the people with social credits basically have the social credits because they're really great in social environments you know like Mm. they're really cool people which is what made them famous right like they're like have interesting situations and you're like wow that's interesting to me i want to know more be around that or be in that so like that's one reason to get invited and the other is the social credits make the people with the financial credits more financial credits because like the guy with the boat right he would have never have been friends with whatever celebrities around the yacht if it wasn't for him paying for it now he's friends with them he's going to go to them later and say hey guys I'm going to throw another one of those parties but this time do you mind making a post on social media with my new water company yeah Yeah, you know whatever it is so he's going to make more money off that so I think it kind of works itself out yeah no no that's interesting so you were leaving as well straight after the podcast to the poker world series last time last time okay i don't in june yeah okay okay yeah how was that i did not win a world championship not even close actually um but i had a lot of fun that's good i gained a lot of experience because i'm not although i am from the gambling world I'm not specifically from the poker world. I'm actually a newbie in poker specific. Mm. So for me, this was... Because Baccarat's your OG. Yeah, right, right, right. And so coming to the poker world, I'm still like, uh, like I would say at best like pro-am. You know what I mean? And uh, so to play with all like the super pros, all like the the Eli Tomax and Chase Sexton, (laughs) it's like you learn so much incredibly faster and like hands-on and in ways that like you couldn't even possibly be taught otherwise. And I also played excellently and I know that and I reference a lot of my hands, like my coaches and my super pro buddies and I'm like, what would you have done here? Like I would do this. I go, that is what I did and I lost and they go... That's gambling. Well, that's gam- yeah, yeah, yeah that's, you know? that's playing poker. Yeah, so I have no regrets. There's nothing I could have done differently in any of the plays I made. It just happened the way it happened, you know? Yeah. How was it going back this time? Like, does it feel like every year you get a little bit, like, oh, bigger for sure. profile in the in the, oh. the game and stuff like that? Or, like, is yeah. it, like, a different... It's, like, I don't know, year on year when you're in shit, like, you, you go... Every year you go to Anaheim 1, it's, like, I don't know, maybe feel a little bit more accustomed you feel a little bit more you got a bit more of a profile you're doing more media like there's more kind of shit going on i actually feel more uncomfortable every time i go back to that because i'm unsure profile wise if i'm 
bigger, the same, smaller. Maybe people don't even like really yeah, care that much. Really give a fuck. Yeah. So I'm like not sure how to approach it, you know? And then I see like in an enormous, like every year, like more and more people trying to engage with me. And then I'm like, what do you want? Like, I don't know. Do you think I'm cool? Do you think it's cool we're at the same table? Do you, maybe you, you want to prove to everyone that you can beat me. And then like, yeah, now, now yeah. you're like this weird enemy against me that I don't even know that we're enemies. Yeah. And it's this weird thing. And then I have all of the media channels always following me around with a camera. Like every yeah, yeah. gambling company has ESPN and file whatever, you know, whoever it is, they're constantly following me with cameras, constantly trying to get me for interviews, which I don't, I'm not against. Like, I think it's really flattering that all these people want to know my thoughts, but I'm always like nervous to say the wrong thing. Like even like now a little bit, you know, mm. and in poker specific, it's like such like a, it's like right now, if you're representing yourself as a professional motocross commentator and people want to ask you motocross questions, like you're going to get scrutinized from the motocross community, yeah, like yeah, on every yeah. verb you yeah, say. Yeah. And so when I'm in these like poker environments and they like randomly throw a microphone on me and they're like, what do you think? I'm like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I, you know, so. Um, I think people just appreciate authenticity, though, you know. Yeah, but there's I don't know. Something I'm working through is this concept of like um, like negativity. I logically understand that as a public figure, there will always be negativity. I knew that before it even happened to me. Like I just knew like... Yeah, that's you know, just like, the nature of the beast. Yeah. And then when it started happening to me, I took it really personal. And those words like almost spoke louder to me than anything else. Mm -hmm. And that sort of... Um, directed me I was almost like not, not being controlled by it But I almost wanted to Redirect myself towards it You know mm -hmm. And address And things like this And engage And um, I think More recently Like I really started to Like when I say Like I don't care Like I think I really started to enter Like the like, I really don't care You know And um, Every time like the mic gets put on me Almost like my subconscious Has like a knee reaction like mm. don't say anything that somebody can like uh uh like throw in your face later you know so that's so like when you catch me off guard i don't know I don't, i'm just mm. rambling i'm, gonna, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna stop saying words no no it's uh <laughs> yeah i mean i i it is a hard one but i think that yeah like what people eventually like about a person i think is just when they're being themselves you know i think it, it's definitely hard it's definitely hard not to want to like warp and change and just like kind of path the least resistance. You know what I mean? But then I think you end up getting caught in like a weird cycle of like, fuck, which Mickey am I supposed to be yeah. right now? And it's like yeah. that, that to me, let's say you be that Mickey that is constantly, and this goes for everyday people in everyday life. Like how many people are like super different when they're around their mother-in-law? Right. Or, yeah. you know, like their yeah. parents or their, their, it's just like they're never really fully them. Maybe it's like, maybe it's just them and their wife, like are the people that they're really around each other. And then they just like go and put on a mask to, oh, I got to put on this mask to go to this place. Yeah. I got to put on this mask to go to work. Like, I just think that you're, you've already gone so far to be like this unique person. Like you've got this crazy, unique story. You've lived this crazy, unique life. Like I feel like, the easiest way for you forwards would just be to do you like you're not a bad person you're not a piece of shit yeah so it's like and then i think people I think, connect by the way, more I think, with the i with think it's the, actually quite the contrary 
I think like most people like really love the fact that how like solid of a person I am and like good yeah, guy for sure. and like all this. For sure. Just to be like super like clear. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually started to to really recognize that. Like it's like this abundance of love and like. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, have you been watching my stories the last couple of weeks? Uh, a little bit Bro my stories Have been out of control They've been hitting Which about the chicks And stuff Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We literally started Talking about relationships So it's like a good segue Yeah bro So okay So I started You know people always said Like oh he only posts About his wins Stuff like that Which is first of all Has never been true yeah. I have always been very like Yeah uh, you went tr- on You went on like a bit of A three day loss bender Yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah so I, st- I just I lost way more Than I had intended on losing it's like two weeks ago. What'd you how much did you lose? I'm not sure I'm supposed to say yet. On live TV slash like social media, I, I said that I lost half a million. Yeah. I don't want to say what the full amount is because uh I'm th- there's another reason to it, but 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 anyway. Uh so we can just say half a million if you want. Yeah. You know. But whatever the, the number was was more than I had budgeted to lose that particular week, right? And, um, and I posted about it and, you know, I, I always post about losses, but the thing is like, if I'm playing table games, which is what I generally play, if I lost, the only thing I can do is take a photo of an empty table. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's chi- not much what, of a post. When yeah. the chips are gone, they're like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What am I showing? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I made a post like two years ago, literally a video. And I'm like, I know you guys want me to show you my losses. So here you go. And it's just like an empty table. And I'm like, I hope you're happy now. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um. So I, I went into depth talking about these losses, like how I felt emotionally about it, mentally, what I'm going to do to like move forward. How do I cope with it? And I went on for like three days, just like yeah, really yeah. diving deep, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, this is great because I can stop posting about money. Because I think it's honestly corny. I think like the, the money thing is like money and gambling. Like, I don't know. I just think it's like it gets old. I think it's corny personally. But obviously people love it. They're the huge consumers of it. But for me, it's like, I don't know. I'm like more than just. A yeah. card player, you know? Yeah. So then it gave me a chance to be funny. And, like, po- oh, it gave me a chance to post anything I wanted. Yeah. And I always say, like, if I can start over, I would never even tell anybody I gambled. I just want to be funny on the internet. Yeah. And it gave me a chance to, like, start over. And i just been pure, pure jokes. So, I don't know, it's been, like, two weeks or something. Yeah. Just pure jokes. And they are just hitting, bro. They're just hitting. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. Yeah. And uh, you've had the, the, the girlfriend hunt as well. Yeah, yeah, how's, yeah, yeah. How's that going? <laughs> That's so funny. (laughs) That's so funny you say that. We couldn't be further up, like, we're sitting opposite each other and we couldn't be further apart in, like, our relationship life too. So I'm not, I'm like vicariously just going to, like, live through you for a little bit. Bro, I've been posting so many naked girls, naked girls, but I think I do it in the best way I've ever seen on the internet. I I really got to give it to myself. I think it's the best. I think it's so funny, you know? Um, just the way I've been like slipping them in there like every day or whatever. And um, that was kind of what the phone call was just now when I came in, right? So I was like, and a couple, two interviews came out this morning on me, like podcast that I did. And in one of them, I tell a story about this porn star that gave me and my buddy a blowjob and then cut my buddy's hair. And my buddy's like a celebrity barber, right? Like I, I don't even know what he was thinking. So I told the story about it. I happened to be with that porn star today. Like right before I came here, that's who I was with. So we watch it. She films it. She posts it. And um, I was like, that's a funny post. I'm going to repost it. So I reposted the video that she took of me talking about her giving me my buddy a blowjob. And then 
I was like, dang, I kind of think that's too much. It's like kind of aggressive, you yeah. know, but yeah. it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to figure out like where the line is between like humor and entertainment and like what I really want to portray because my fear is because every day I've been posting a different naked girl for the last few weeks, even though I think it's funny and I'm sure it is, you know, whatever. And, and it's really cool, like entertainment to consume, I think. But like, where's a line where I'm just like slowly going to cut myself off from the connection of like the girl that I'm actually looking for, mm. you know, like the, all the girls I meet on the internet are great. They're smoking hot. Most of them are like tens. They're down to get down. They're like wonderful to like be around. But like the girls that I consider actually like settling down. Yeah, your with, wife's like chilling in Nebraska somewhere. Yeah, and I and I meet <laughs> a lot of those girls like on the road or like when yeah. I'm just out around, right? Some of them don't know who I am, so they just think I'm some guy. We hit it off. And like sometime down the line, they're like, hey, do you have social media? And I'm like, yeah, you know. And then they follow and they see like every single day is another naked girl on my page, you know, hanging out with me or whatever. And like I have, I have like – I don't, I don't know how the right way to say this. I have like a decent roster. Uh, so like I have to go like to every single one and be like, hey, it's not what you think. Like I'm making content. I'd love if you that's, want it. That's the big problem with it all. Yeah. And it becomes like a it's headache. Too much and, fucking time and energy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like I have to make sure I don't skip any because if I skip any, what happens is they want to ghost me and I forgot about them. A month goes by and I'm like, whatever happened to this one? And I'm like, oh my God. And I got to catch up. And she's like, oh, I seen you with all these girls. So like, what am I doing? And I'm like, no, no, you know, and it's just. It's a whole thing. You know, yeah, it's like Future says, you know, treat all your girls like you're in a relationship, but it's a, it's really wearing. <laughs> What's the, uh, it's, it's the Valentine's Day is the worst day when you're, when you're a player. Like, you, know that, you know that Future song? Uh-uh. Dude, oh, it's like Valentine's the worst day. Got too many to please or some shit. He's just like singing about like all the, all the bitches that, he, yeah. that he's got. I ain't built for that life, bro. It's tough. It's yeah, tough. I'm, I'm done on, I'm done on that. I'm trying to be like you. I'm trying to get married. I, I really am, you know? And uh, so what I've done recently I'd been married a week though when we first did the podcast. Oh, you so just like, just got married? Like, oh, I didn't even know. Congrats! Thanks, bro. Yeah, it was like the yeah twenty May, like right, right, like literally the week before we we did the yeah we did the pod. Wow! Congratulations. But yeah, so I mean, take all of my all of my relationship advice. Like I've got this far, but like let's be honest, I'm not exactly fucking. You definitely got further than me, so I'm sure I have something to learn. No question. <laughs> you know, but I am actively seeking marriage. Like I'm dating to marry now. Yeah, you know, I'm not yeah. just dating for sex or for fun or any of that. So what I've done actually recently is I have cut off every like female. Like I stopped texting, and if anybody texts or DMs me that like I already have like a fling with. As soon as I find any, like, if they give me an inch, I'm just taking that door, like, I'm building all the separation I can, you know? So I basically cut everybody off. I'm, like, big chilling. Like, I, I, it's so draining. Like, every night to be with a different chick, it's just so much work, and I really need a break. And I took that break, and now I'm chilling, and I'm looking to date and marry. So what's your, like, criteria for a, a what's a wife material like for you? This is so weird that this is the first thing I think of. But there's so much context to it. My first thing is they can't be a sex worker. I know that sounds. <laughs> that I know that seems, seems pretty like. I know it sounds that way. But let me give you some context, right? Because you're not from here, so I'll tell you. Every girl that lives in L.A. or Vegas has some form of sex work. Almost a hundred percent of them, whether it's an OnlyFans or they're a dancer or they work poker or they're like. 
even a bottle service girl is like questionable because they're just like party girls and I just can't deal with it. It's just too, I've been through it. It's just too much. And it goes all the way to like being a hooker or tricking or being my ex or whatever it is, you know, in one form or another, you're all sex workers. And it's really hard to dodge that. When you're when I live in the two cities that have like the highest amount of sex workers, yeah. so it seems like obvious and it seems easy, but find me a single hot girl like a dime that lives in Los Angeles that doesn't make money off her looks. Yeah. Just find me one. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's it's actually tougher than it may seem. Yeah, there's so many. I've been like, I've been, I've only been here a month, but I think I've been in like six states so far. Like, man, you roll through the airport in Nashville, just home-grown hotties, yep. you know, like just those East Coast-style girls. And then I was uh, I was at, yeah, Loretta's, so I was in, in Nashville again. It was mm-hmm. just a couple of moto chicks. Well, you know Loretta's. Yeah. Just at Loretta's, and it's like some sweet Georgia girls, and I'm just like, that's the fucking move, bro. Regular hot just girls. Just regular hot American corn-fed yeah. <laughs> chicks from like Atlanta, Nebraska. Like, I mean, there's... There's so much like me and Anthony. Uh, oh, you met Anthony, the producer here. Yeah. Last time. And we were talking about it with him. He says the same thing. He's like, man, just the chicks here. He's in a different position, right? So there's like, there's the position you're in. Like you're a public figure, fucking poker player, betting millions. Like that's a very appealing to a chick. Sure. That, there's like a chick that would happily walk into that life, right? Sure. And you've met a fuckload of them. But it's like, so that's you in LA. But then there's him in LA, which is just like a dude that has a job and doesn't play poker, doesn't make millions of dollars. So he goes and he's talking to these same chicks and he's like, dude, first thing they ask, what do you do? And he's just like, fuck. Can like just some girls start a question that doesn't, have to do with like how much money do you make not you know? in LA though and that's what it is here and it's really tough you know and especially if they see me online you know but like yeah bro if you can bro I swear to god if you can find me a single hot girl that doesn't make her money off her looks that's from that lives in LA like I'll, I'll probably marry her right now I don't even need to know her last name dude it's just the there's like this infinite choice when you're single like this would be the main thing I guess the main difference getting married is like, at least for me, you live in this world of just infinite possibilities. And it's like, you just can get lost in the source. Like every day you can be with a new chick. Oh, this chick has like this tiny little red flag fucking done next. Yeah. You know? And it's like, you are so spoiled for choice that it becomes a problem, you know? And it's like, it's the same thing with just like, it's the same thing that causes so much depression in people is like oh life's so short i want to do this i want to do this i want to go there i've got it you know like options and possibilities actually aren't as great as they seem you know and then as soon as you're locked in one person that's it like you're not getting out of this you've signed Mm -hmm. some papers you've made you've stood in front of all your friends and family like it takes all those options off the table it takes all of the thinking out of it there's just like you just eliminate this whole like imagine right now if you just cut chasing pussy out of your life completely mm-hmm. the time just the time the freedom the, the bandwidth yeah freedom like yeah. you literally are free and it's like for me for years it was the opposite where i'm like f- the opposite of freedom is getting married like you're with this one chick your whole like yeah that where's the freedom in that but it's like what it frees up 
in your mental capacity and just your, like your physical time yeah. to just have that one. And then when you have a person like I'm super lucky in my relationship, like I literally have a partner that works for us. Like we have like a fam, like we have a family and she works for us. She works on us. So it's like, I've just doubled my, so I've taken all those distractions away yeah. and I've cut all that. I've freed up all this time. And that person that did all that also does all this extra shit that then gives you even more time. Like, it's just yeah. such a crazy different way to live a life. I th- and I think it's like undersold, you know, I and agree. I was even that I, guy. I, I never wanted to get married. I agree with you hundred percent. And everybody refers to being in the relationship as like a prison and being single as a freedom. Yeah. I think they're wrong. Listen like this. If you're on a trip, let's say, because that's the only time you'd be away from your wife, right? You only have one good morning text to send, you know, versus a guy who's like being a player. He's got <laughs> yeah. 10 to send and yeah. then he has to respond to all 10. And, you know, when I was like out there, again, I cut off all the women recently. But when I was really out there, like juggling or whatever, I got so tired of every day having to schedule the other one for a different event and forgetting which one I repeated and which one I didn't. And they all want to have the same conversation. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. And I can't remember the, I, when I was in like a committed relationship, I had enough trouble remembering all the details of her life. And I got to do it with 10 girls. It's like a lot. Yeah. And you know, and, and it's, it, it is wearing and it's like, they always throw like the, no, oh, it must've been another girl, whatever. And with me, they, they were like, yeah, yeah, they were usually right, you yeah. know. And I'm like, all right, well, just t- give me, give me the answer then. You know what I mean? You know, what is your favorite color? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Also, he gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah, but they want to feel that connection. And they want to like get to know each other. And I'm like, how many times can I tell somebody what my favorite food is? Like, how many girls am I gonna share this? What my favorite food is? How old I am? Where I'm from? What my mom's name is? Like, how many times am I gonna? Yeah, it's just too much. Yeah, you only have one good morning text to send, and the rest of your day is free, and that sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, but I mean, yeah, I think that there's there's definitely I don't know there's an element of being a player that I think you got to do, or at least it was for me. Like I I definitely think that you got to go through that. And I never wanted to be the guy that I never wanted to be the guy that got married and thought like, oh, there's this whole list of shit I've never done. Like, oh man, imagine if I wanted to be like to have three. I just never wanted to be old and going through that thought process. You know what I mean? So I don't know. There's there's definitely a balance to it. You did those things though, no? Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, so that's it. Yeah. I went Been here. there, done there, seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really change. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's so funny. I oh, I swear to God, every time I feel like pressure to do something that I don't necessarily want to do like yeah. you know like two girls call me like hey can you know can we both come over and and you know fool around I'm like oh, I can't say no yeah. you know like I, I I guess against the rules yeah, and yeah, then I'm yeah, like yeah, stuck yeah. in the situation they leave and I'm like I could have easily have just done a solo mission on my own and just gone right to bed I don't have to deal yeah. with like that the two hours before and the two hours <laughs> after and the clean I don't have to, yeah. you know and like every time I'm like why did I do that I at the end of like being single I used to just basically like jerk off and I'd have a rule that if I still wanted to fuck the chick after I jerked off, then I would fuck the chick. Well, <laughs> dude, not very often I <laughs> not very often I wanted to fuck the chick. <clears throat> All right, so true fact, bro. One of my favorite things is jerking off. I <clears throat> prefer jerking off over almost any other hobby I have, including sex with women. When when you have sex with women, there's just so much extra stuff. Yeah. When you jerk off, there's nothing. Nothing. It's pretty mellow. Yeah. 
you throw on whatever video you want, whatever you're feeling at that moment, <laughs> laying in your bed by yourself. Reddit, one-handed, yeah. <laughs> let's fucking go. Yeah, just vibing. You know, <laughs> I like to vape, so I'll be I'll be vaping in my left hand, you know, beating in my right hand, whatever I got playing on, on the TV or what have you, and then as soon as I'm done, I just go to sleep. Yeah. I don't got to walk nobody out. Fuck, I ain't got to so do that easy. awkward conversation. You're I ain't got to worry about... You don't have to wonder sleep. if she's going to sleep there. Yeah. You don't have to think about breakfast. Oh, my God. I don't have to call the driver. Shang is still I... one of your fucking t-shirts. Oh. You ever had a bitch oh walk out with God. a fucking $300 t-shirt? Bro. Not worth it. I have the same conversation. <laughs> we get done, and they're like, hey, do you have like a oversized t-shirt? The thing is, all my shirts are oversized. So like, obviously, right? Yeah. You can't say no. Well, I thought I, I used to not be able to say no. So then I started to say. Now you're like, bitch, just put a blanket over yourself. Yeah. I'd be like, yes, I do. Over there, I have like a pile of like my just, dirty. like just not like, blanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah just, these are the fucking. Like the Hanes white tees, right? <laughs> yeah. And they'd be like, well, can I wear a different one? And I'd be like, look, this is where it got. At some point, I got so frustrated. I have the same conversation. I says, look, I will let you wear. Any shirt you find in my closet, just understand, under no circumstance am I going to allow you to leave my house in it. And they go, what do you mean? Like, that's rude. And I go, no, no, no. You stealing my t-shirt is fucking rude. They always say the same thing. They go, I'm not going to take it. And then I say, that's what they all say. (laughs) I say, you're not leaving this house with my shirt on. I said, either you put a white shirt on and I'll never even think about it whether you steal it or you don't (laughs) or I let you go in my closet but understand that I will confront you before I walk you out of my house. And it's always the same thing. You know what I mean? It's just like, it got to a point I was I just can't handle it. Dude, I was like, you're so taking my favorite funny. shirts. And I have like half my closet still has tags on it. I buy a lot of stuff and I won't take the tags off till I'm ready to wear it. Yeah. So they go and put on brand new shirts that I've never even worn before. And I know they're going to steal That's disrespectful. Them. Yeah, and I don't know if they're thinking. I don't know what they think. Like, I don't know. They have to know. Maybe they think it's a form of connection. Yeah, yeah. Like they can look at it later on and be like, yeah, he hit it and quit it. But I, feel but I got co- something from him. Yeah, I feel yeah. connected. You know, yeah, he gave yeah. me his brand new shirt or whatever it is. I well, don't know. I just think they'd just straight up be fucking jacking shit. And like that's just feel, thievery. They feel it's just straight thievery. And, <laughs> and like feeling good about it. Like, there's nothing worse than a chick leaving your fucking house in one of your favorite t-shirts. You want to hear a bad story about that, actually? Yes. All right, so there's this porn star that I used to hang out with very very often. She was, like, one of the homies, right? She ended up, like, uh, like switching up, like, how she, like, does work. So now she basically just travels full-time. So I haven't seen her in, like, a long time, like so nine months. she just months. does OnlyFans? No, no, she does. Um, I think she gets paid to make appearances at, like, clubs. Uh. She's got, like, a... a fairly recognizable name in the industry yeah. right so it's like that so she's not like in la just like shooting porn all day she i think she's just like tra- like gets paid to travel basically yeah <clears throat> one of the last times i seen her we're we had like this big gang bang and all the girls it was at my house and all the girls were like we came back from a night out right and all the girls were like hey can we have some sweats and i was like dang that's a lot of sweats you know i was like if, if these get if these <laughs> yeah. get stolen i'm like i took a I'm hit in my yeah, yeah, yeah i took yeah. a hit in the wardrobe yeah so i'm like all right so i'm trying to like very carefully allocate who gets what set of sweats and this one porn star came up and she's like can i wear those sweatpants let me tell you the story of these sweatpants i lose 50 grand one time this is like way back in the day when i first like really started gambling like relatively big i'm like still a kid I lose 50 grand at Brigada and I go to Brigada and I'm like, Hey, like, can I, can I have something like, like, let me leave yeah, here yeah, with yeah, something, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And they're like, 
okay, go to our gift shop and you have like $200 to spend or like whatever it was. And I picked a pack of uh, Hugo Boss white V-necks. Mind you, I don't even wear yeah, you V-necks. you ever worn a V-neck. Never worn in my life. And I one pair of black Hugo Boss sweatpants. So for 50 grand, I got this pair of black sweatpants. <laughs> and every time I wear them, I know to my, I say to myself, I paid 50 grand for these sweatpants. Well, that's okay? fucking unreal. She comes up and she goes, can I wear those sweatpants? And the thing is, I didn't really have enough other pairs to really like say anything. And yeah. I'm like, look, I want to express to you how valuable these sweatpants are to me. It's cheaper for me to take your life <laughs> than it is for you to buy these sweatpants. Yeah. I'm like, you cannot steal these. And she was like, like I said, like the homie, she's inner circle, like really good friend. And she looked at me. She goes, I'm, I understand. I'm not going to steal them. I haven't seen them in nine months. Dude, she took them. You ain't ever getting them. Back. And I can't tell you, like, <laughs> bro, like, I'm angry. Not like, not like angry, angry, but it's like almost this like comical, like yeah. paradoxical yeah. anger. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't. Like, you're probably mad at yourself. Yeah, I mean, bro, those are fifty thousand dollars sweatpants. That the I told her not to steal, and she stole them, and that was it. That was the end of it. And they're not even worth fifty k. Like she can't sell them for anything. You can sell them for twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah, But I paid fifty grand yeah, for them. You yeah. know, I can't believe it, dude. Can't that's like it. your granddad's Rolex, yeah. but in in sweatpants. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it, dude. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> uh, how did it, how did the the whole like the loss feel for real though? Like the social media. Speaking of losing money on uh, on. On sweatpants. Uh, how did those losses actually feel away from the gram? Was well, that real? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, you were fucking off it. Yeah, that. Well, the fifty k loss that I got the sweatpants for was so back at way before social no, media. No, like this recent one yeah. where you're where well, you, you well, kind of like. Well, I'll tell you this: like back then, to take a loss like that. Mind you, I wasn't really an AP. Like, I wasn't necessarily a winning player when I was a kid. Like, I mean, I'm, I might have been, but, like, I never... Like, that wasn't, like, what I did for a living. You know what I mean? Like, when I gambled, I didn't say to myself, I'm favored to win. Like, it wasn't like that. When I would take a loss like that, especially at that age, there was no way to... Even if somebody had gone through it previously, tried to, uh, like, prep me for it, There's the truth is there's no way to prep yourself for the feelings that come with that kind of loss. Oh, dude, for sure. When you lose gambling, especially as a kid, and I didn't make enough money to just lose 50k on a Tuesday and like move on, like that. I wasn't be sweet. Yeah, yeah, and be sweet exactly. And even if it was like a more reasonable amount, there's nothing you can do to prepare how you're gonna feel. And there's no coaching in the world that's like this is how you get out of that feeling. And it's so unique, you know, and there's so much remorse and regret and like Oh dude. There's so much. And as a kid with no experience in taking L's beyond my financial means, it, I can't ever, ever express that kind of pain and like self-hatred and self-loathing and self-torment you know is like this it's so yeah, cause you probably feel like a bit of a degenerate really yeah i felt dirty and slimy yeah, yeah, and like yeah. and so depressed and so dark and heavy so how like how much did it fuck you up financially 
two weeks ago no like are we still back talking then? 50 grand probably it was probably everything like when i lost that 50k i don't exactly remember but realistically it was probably everything because yeah. if i had more i probably would have bought in more and kept playing trying to win it back huh. you know so it's probably like my entire that's network. gotta be like the dirty feeling where yeah. you're like i just fucked myself yeah and, and this is what happens and your brain immediately starts racing about all of the things you could have done with that 50 grand oh yeah except give it away to a casino and have nothing to show for it <laughs> You know? yeah, except yeah, for yeah. a pair of sweatpants except shame and fucking hugo boss pants. <laughs> yeah you know so like that's like the biggest like it's just like the oh man it's so screwed up that feeling and the thoughts behind it and it lasts it lingers like that hangover is a long is long you know and i'm not really sure how you get out of it actually i don't even know looking back because there were so many losses along the way two weeks ago when i took the loss it was more frustrating than anything else it was like I was favored to win in that particular game, right? Like that lineup, I helped choose it. I helped choose the structure of the game. I would actually say I helped created it more than anybody else that was in the creation of it. Like I, like this game was my game. It was like made for me. I, I was favorited, right? And my boy, he won the World Series last year. He played in it with me. You know, I put him in the game. I was like, you're not necessarily good for the game because you're like a super pro where everybody else in the game is basically a wreck and like more loose with the cash. You're probably just going to come in and snipe everybody, but I'll put you in because you're my boy. And then he and I like have our own friendship, we'll say like out, you know, outside of the, the game. So he goes, yeah, I'll play. Not only did I absolutely get shredded, so did he. Fuck. And it was unbelievable. And I'm thinking like, well, if I lose, at least he'll win and like it'll work itself yeah, out yeah, in yeah. one way or another, yeah, you know? Yeah, and yeah. if he loses and I win, it'll everybody we'll figure okay. it out. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? We both got shredded and he won the World Series of Poker last year. That's and, so gnarly. Yeah, and we're playing in a game that's like it's like a game for maniacs only. It's like almost all gamble. And like I was like, how can you it's like running into a wall at full speed. And being like, okay, this time it has to break and you run back in and it doesn't break again. Yeah. And you just do yeah. that for eight hours yeah. on live TV, yeah. you know? And the whole thing was on live TV. So it was like, there's so many clips of it. And like every time I open my phone, it's like another time. Oh, there's another clip of me on TV just getting getting shredded. And um, it pissed me off a lot, you know, it really did. But... It was way different than when I lost that 50K as a kid. Oh, it'd have to feel different. It's so different. Not only have I been maybe like desensitized a little or maybe more aware, but the way I went into it, I was like, this is roughly my budget of loss. And if I lose this, it doesn't affect anything in my life. Where back then it was everything. It was probably my rent money was in that 50K probably, you know? Yeah. So now it's like, I still have everything else I'm going on in life. I just have... For the sake of record purposes, 500K less. You know what I'm saying? So, whatever. But it pissed me off because I was favored to win. And, like, it was just like, yeah, because you're probably, you're probably more at like the sport level of poker now, where it's like the cash probably, obviously, like, yeah, like any (laughs) athlete, you're trying to win the cash. Yeah. But it's like the loss probably feels more like a sporting loss. Exactly. Than like a degeneracy, I've fucked my life kind of loss. Exactly. So it's still frustrating. It still pissed me off. It's still, you know, half a million month of dollars I, I gave away. And, you know, I should have like won a million. Instead, I lost half a million. So that's a million and a half dollar swing, you know, in one day. Well, in, in 24 hours or whatever. But 
it pissed me off, but but it had some positive too because like I said, it gave me a clean slate. First, it gave me an opportunity to really address it because all of my fans probably think that they're going to win gambling mm. and they probably see it in such a light that it looks so appetizing to them, whatever. They all end up losers because almost everyone who gambles loses, right? That's why casinos are so nice. And then they're like, wait a second. I feel alone. I feel like I'm the only one. Or like, they'll like sold a dream. Yeah, you know, and they feel all this. So it gave me a chance to like at quite some length really discuss, hey guys, like I always try to discourage gambling. Like there is a downside. Like don't don't have blinders on where you're only seeing the good posts I make and not the bad posts I make. I'm ramming losses down your throat right now. This needs to be addressed. You need to recognize, you know? So it gave me that opportunity, which I'm really grateful for because I never want to hurt people. I'm not incentivized for people to gamble. I don't make money when someone gambles. It doesn't do anything for me, but it usually hurts them and I don't want to hurt anybody. So it gave me a really nice chance to do that that I'm grateful for. And the second thing I did, which in some ways applies equally, but also a little selfishly, it gave me a clean slate. Now I could post about anything and like, you know, and I'm allowed to, there's no like pressure that I have to post about gambling. I have to post about winning or cash or money or whatever so that's why i got to this be so funny like i got to like let the the humor through like it was, mm. a, it was a nice way for me to transition to that yeah yeah and you're right about the like gambling can be such a gross thing when it comes to like incentivizing people to lose basically like the uh when the whole like Steve will do it stuff was going down and like a lot of the online gambling casinos and the crypto casinos and stuff mm-hmm. like basically uh, those guys were getting paid off people's losses basically whether they knew it or not when they like were kind of getting into the deal or whatever like I don't think any of those guys are bad dudes but there's definitely a way well and they were just gambling with house money so like they literally get sent lines of credit to just be like gambling online and making it look like it's their money their plan you know so yeah there kind of is like a pretty gross dark side of the gambling industry when it comes to like influencers and people you know posting wins and playing with house money and you know like so it's good that you're one of the dudes that kind of like always kept the I don't know, like the conscience clean or the, you know, in, in that lane. I'm not incentivized one way or another. So like, I don't like really care. Like I can post whatever and it has no effect like uh, on me. Like it doesn't affect my financial. It doesn't affect my, yeah. my, my relationships. You know, I'm kind of big chilling, you know? Yeah. 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 Cause uh, yeah, it can be a weird place. Cause it's like when you're not, on that side like on the loser the dude that's put in like 200 bucks and Mm. 200 bucks is like a lot of fucking money to that guy you know yeah 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 that'd be so like there'd be so many people that like shouldn't gamble (laughs) like just where their financial situation is you know what i think happens a lot is let's i'll bring it back a little to like the brick and mortar casinos because they offer so much that's not gambling related and the consumer doesn't know that they're actually being coerced and manipulated into gambling oh for sure vegas 100 percent. yeah so like they think they're just going to dinner they think they're just going to a show they think they're just whatever yeah but the truth is everything about it was catered to redirect them to a table it's a funnel yeah yeah you know like both physically and metaphorically yeah 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 well i i mean 
you go to you go to Vegas and it's free drinks if you're gambling. Mm-hmm. Drinks are fucking expensive. Mm-hmm. So then, like, just just that one instance of right there is like people's own. And I've been that guy. I'm like, I'm just gonna sit at a poker machine for a little bit, do minimum bets, yeah. and like get a couple drinks, get a buzz, and then go to a club. Yeah. You know, it's like that's so set up for you to to gamble and to lose like dude last time I met my wife had never been to a casino we went for a friend's birthday and I lost like fucking 500 bucks in like 20 minutes <laughs> I was like this sucks this yeah. is so shit why did I do this yeah and then you're like okay I want to win it back like yeah. one, one good if I can lose it I could win it yeah. you know yeah. and then yeah. now you're down a thousand and then you're getting the free drinks and now you're a little sauced and you're like oh I'm already here you know I'm yeah. down a thousand and then next thing you know you're wasted and lost your rent yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's fucking it it can happen so you talked about as well before uh it was kind of like when you first did the pod we were talking about you being banned from casinos like mm-hmm. you kind of went on a run and then they just like shut the gates on you yeah. I was watching something recently with Dana White he said that he's not like banned from the casino but just basically can't play the limits that he wants to play so yeah like how does one go about being banned from a casino in the way that you were well with dana what it is specifically it's alleged he's a card counter right so he's a sharp in blackjack an ap blackjack uh. player so when you're a, a card counter for example and i'm not putting that label on dana you know you know if you want his opinion you can ask him but in theory if somebody was accusing him of being a card counter they're like well we're not gonna you're gonna lose at all the other games because you're not ap at the other games only blackjack so we're gonna cap your bets we're gonna limit your bets you have to flat bet or hey you can't play blackjack or hey we don't want you playing games but like you didn't do anything wrong or illegal so you're still welcome yeah for me some casinos let me in, some don't. Some I got to call ahead and they'll either say yes or no and there's like context or politics behind it. They're unsure how it is that I was winning at all the games that I played, particularly Baccarat. That was like the that was like the the base of all of it. I yeah. made the most there, but they also let me bet the most there. They let me bet the most at other particular games. Maybe I would have won even more there. Yeah. They're like, we just don't know what's happening. So what kind of bets was... What what was a big bet for you? Uh, I bet a quarter million a hand, every hand on Baccarat. Fuck. I bet 75K a hand per hand in a, a blackjack shoe, which is six deck, or $50,000 a hand in double deck. And yeah. the truth is, I don't really play six deck. I play double. So in real life, the real answer is I play 250000 a hand Baccarat and 50000 a hand blackjack. Yeah. And that was enough for them to be like, fuck all this. Yeah, and I even won in like... Some of the carnival games. I mean, whatever. I figured out a lot of their systems. It's like not... I mean, like, whatever. Yeah, basically. They're like, you're just a liability. Yeah. Yeah. And so they basically... you. So you you went on like a a run. I'm just trying to like recap the story for people. So it's like you pretty much just go on like this crazy run in Vegas and then you basically just get shut down. Yeah. So roughly over the span of three years... Um, I went from zero to, you know, a few tens of millions all coming out of the Vegas casinos. So in a three year span, they're like, he's not losing as much as he's supposed to be. Matter Mm, of fact. So they would know like, okay, if this guy's betting roughly this much money, this is the odds of what he'd win and what he'd lose if he was a normal player. Exactly. Exactly. So, cause you know, there's people that'll win a lot one weekend, come back and then lose a lot. Just get hosed. Yeah. And they're like, the casino looks at it and goes, that's fair. Yeah. He won some, he lost some. Yeah. But if a guy comes and he wins six times and loses one, comes back six more times, wins them all and then loses one, they're like, this is not 
mathematically probable. Yeah, yeah. He must be doing something, you know, outside of our realm to disadvantage us or advantage himself. Yeah. And that's a problem gambler to the casino. Yeah, okay. So over three years, you know, I went from nothing to a few tens of millions, all from the casinos, and they saw it as a problem. Yeah. So what did you... Like, cause you'd always been gambling. It was in mm-hmm. your family. Like yep. your grandparents were gambling. Like, mm-hmm. so it was something that, or would you even say gambling or would you just say like playing those games? Gambling was always in my life. Like, um, I grew up in like New York city card rooms and they played like super high stakes, uh, rummy. And there's like a million types of rummy, but whatever rummy. Right. And, it was uh, like gin rummy, there's gin rummy. There's uh, so I grew up playing Hungarian rummy, which yeah. is a multi-person version of rummy. Yeah. Uh, I forget the name now. There's a, my friend owns the world series of gin rummy and okay. the exact type of gin rummy they play is what like me and all my friends play now, but I forget exactly what's it called? Omaha rummy. I forget. Don't even quote me. I forget exactly the yeah, name yeah. of this one. Anyway, there's, there's many, many types and the type in like the world series, for example, is a heads up game, but the Hungarian version is a uh, multi way and it's used with two decks. Um, so like I learned like that. And then on the weekends, I'd go with my grandparents to Atlantic city. I'd see my grandfather rolling dice. So I learned craps and then my grandfather's two friends, uh, one was a blackjack player and one was a roulette player. So I learned those games as well, just as a kid. But I never like thought about it. I never. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Like it would have been games to you as opposed to gambling. Yeah. At the start. Yeah. Like I didn't. Uh, to me, I didn't know that it wasn't normal. I didn't know that it wasn't regular. It's like every day of my life, I was surrounded by gambling. Yeah. You know, Monday through Thursday, we're in the, in New York City card rooms. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're in Atlantic City casinos. I, I don't know. The, Anything else? I didn't know, you know? Yeah. 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 And so this three-year run, though. Yeah. So you're, like, gambling a little bit before this? Or, like, how does you, you yeah, decide yeah, to, like, my... take it seriously to where you, like, go on that run? Do you remember, like, when that run started, what you were thinking, what your yeah. headspace was at? I remember... So something else is, like, I'm sure it's in the first half, that I spent, like, my whole, like, adolescence racing moto yeah right? yeah yeah. all that's still there yeah so any time that we were in town we would just gamble like as a neighborhood kids just what we did and my buddies like my my kid, friends in like elementary school middle school high school whatever would travel with me and my family to the races it'd just be like, fun to bring a friend along yeah so even traveling we'd bring decks of cards and gamble every single day you know and then if i was not traveling for moto new york city card rooms atlantic city right yeah. so it's just what it was and in my neighborhood everybody gambled and i remember I think I was in, I want to say eighth grade. I want to say eighth grade. And it was a uh, Super Bowl. And I remember that all of us were gambling at my boy Ryan's house. And he, his parent, his mom was one of those moms that like encouraged it. Like she's like, you boys have fun, do your thing. And she would like cook like, you know, homemade rice crispy treats. I remember they're so good too. And like bring them out and like service food throughout Super Bowl. So we'd always rotate who wanted to be house, who wanted to be a player. And I said, I'll house. And someone else was like, I'll partner with you. So the two of us put our bankroll together and housed. And I remember we were crushing it. Somebody else said, I want to be house, but we had a full game going. So he goes, I'll house you. And I'm like, okay, no sweat. At the same time, I said, if you do that, I'm going to book all of our friends' uh, Super Bowl bets, right? So I ended up winning. Okay, okay, let me slow down. So I played him heads up. He dealt me in blackjack for like, I don't know, like two hours. And I just absolutely crushed it was like i 
couldn't it was like i he was dealing me face up right yeah i had like min, min bet any losing hand max bet every winning hand like i made every right move then me and my boy who are housing the rest of the 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 casino whatever the games we cleaned up all the other players lost and then the super bowl came on and we dominated yeah. as a sports book right <laughs> yeah. and i remember me and my partner we went onto ryan's stairs so we can like get privacy from everybody and we counted all the cash and it was just like it was like ungodly you know we're like in eighth grade and talking i don't for sure five figures you know and it was like we're just eighth graders with no jobs and we're like yo this yeah, is this, this is, is it this is cool yeah you know? yeah yeah and I, I do remember that memory for sure so that was i guess starting in eighth grade where i was like this is doable yeah and then so to go on that three-year run like what leads up to you kind of getting that happening to where you can take tens of millions from vegas casinos sure so i had some businesses i lived in miami when i sold the businesses i was like what's next i had never lived in la I did have a concept for a new business idea, something that to this day I haven't seen, and it's really a phenomenal idea. And the best um, like target market would be Los Angeles County. Uh, I don't want to share what it is because I don't want yeah, to yeah, steal it, yeah. but it it involves needing a very um, like high medium income town and a very low medium income town as comparison. And LA obviously has the extremes of both right near each other. So it made perfect sense for me to set up shop on my new business concept in LA. And I'd never lived in LA. So I sold my businesses in Florida and I had done pretty well with that. And I move out to LA and just before, just before it's supposed to start, um, I dragged my feet in the beginning and then COVID hit. Yeah. And when COVID hit, like all of us got scared. We're like, we don't want to commit any money to it. Like all good. Like we're, we all got enough to live. Like we're just going to chill and see what happens. But Vegas was like the last, well, Nevada was like the last state minus Florida and maybe Texas to like put any restrictions in. Yeah. And the ones they put were like the most minimal. They were like anti-COVID restriction. Yeah. So they kept the casinos open and like whatever. I was new to LA. I didn't really know that many people. I had my one homie and he's like, let's just go to Vegas. They're still open. You know what I mean? And so we started going to Vegas. I think we had already been going to Vegas before COVID, but only like for whatever. Yeah. But now that it's COVID, there's nothing to do in LA at all. I think, yeah, I think for, worst. Yeah, for like a while, I think they said you'd be arrested if you left your house or something. And I was like, I am beat for all that. I'm going to Vegas. We were going to Vegas once a week. Then we ended up living. We moved into the, um, all the, like, there's like secret villas in like every casino. We moved into them. We started living in them and just gambling all the time. In the beginning of the journey, we were just going for fun. We were like, we just want to party and like, covid and like whatever so we have to go somewhere else and meet girls and have a good time and like listen to music and whatever so we're going once a week i'm a degenerate gambler and he's a degenerate gambler we're like let's gamble we yeah had, we, yeah we this had, is us yeah this is us we had money and like whatever i did not go thinking i'm gonna win or i'm gonna go this weekend and i'm gonna make money i'm literally saying to myself let's go to vegas this is gonna be a good place to ride this covid shit out yeah it's a good place to ride it out that's it we're gonna have some fun We'll spend a couple of bucks. It'll all be worth it. Well, what ended up happening was I won. Okay, cool. Go back the next week. Let's party again. We party again. I won again. And I'm, I'm winning and it's becoming profitable. And I'm like, wait a second. This is cool, you know? I'm happy to have lost the money I won, but instead I won. Cool. So then I go, you know, what happens if I add a zero to my buy-in? Let's try it. We add a zero. Well, my, I still won and my cash out's added a zero. Yeah. And now I'm winning 200, 300, 500,000 dollars a week. And I'm like, yo, this is like, 
this is something real. like this yeah. is this is real you know and i'm like we we need a we need to look at this. This is not a game anymore. This is this is no more jokes. This ain't about coming to Vegas for pussy. This is like, I don't even need to open a new business. What's happening? Yeah, yeah. You know? It's like the first year, I would go and I'd play. I'd bring like twenty or 30,000. Happy to lose it 20 to 30 a week just to have the good time I was having. But instead, I was winning 20, 30, sometimes 50,000, right? So now, they're, let's just pretend uh, conservatively 20,000 I was winning, right? So I'm going to Vegas once a week. I'm meeting new girls. I'm going out. I'm having fun. Everything in LA shut down and I'm still making 20K a week. Sick. Hey, They're paying live, me to party. You're living. Living. Yeah. Then let's call it in year number two, I add a zero. So now I'm making, again, conservatively 200K a week. So now I'm making 200K a week, still having the same fun, but everything is leveling up. Now, instead of getting the penthouse, I'm getting the presidential. Instead of them giving me a limo, they gave me a Maybach. Instead of, you know paying for my JSX flight or reimbursing me for a private flight. They're just giving me a private jet, you know? So it's all like leveling up and I'm still making 200 K a week. So it was cool with, with the casinos at the start. Yeah. For the first year and a half, it was about 18 months in where they started to get a little shaky and they started dropping off and fighting yeah, back. Yeah. So like somewhere through year number two of making, you know, we'll say 200 K a week. Some of them started fighting me and changing rules and this and like adding implications and challenging me and, cutting me off some of them with you know in the first before the second year was even over we get to year number three and now i don't have a single buy-in less than three million dollars and i'm not losing less than three million dollars on a trip and that's when i started having the three five seven nine ten eleven million dollar weekly wins and that's really like where it all started to implode on itself dude i just can't i can't comprehend how fucking fun that would have been it was really <laughs> like, crazy just so much fun yeah to be walking out of there with that much cash like literally just bricks and bricks and bricks of cash yeah pussy everywhere fucking yeah. dude that's that's a good time to go through and you know what it helped me do sort of this is the thing i'm, I'm a punk rock kid my whole life i grew up moto you know what i'm saying yeah, like yeah so kids who don't go to moto are the type of kids that like to go to a nightclub on a friday and saturday if they got a table, they think they're the most balling dude in the club and, like, pop a bottle or two, right? The kids who do moto, they like going to concerts and, like, breaking stuff. And they yeah, like, fires yeah, yeah. and, like, having no shirt on and, yeah, you know, yeah. getting dirty. Yeah. So, for me, like, I'm in the world of everybody that wants to go to the club and flex money. But I just want to take my shirt off and light something on fire, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, now... I'm like in charge. I got the money, like the parties around me. And so I'll, when I, when I party, I party the way I want to party, not the way like everyone else does. And you weren't doing drugs at this point. No, no, no drugs. Right. And so for me, like if you guys want to go to club, go, I don't, I can care less. Go to the club. Me, I'm going to bring a couple ramps into my villa. I got my BMX homies on the way. We're going to do backflips into the pool and like, yeah, hang out with the girls. Yeah. So all of a sudden, like, those kids are like, we want to be around you because you're up and popping or whatever. They see like the kind of way I like to party. They like, they're like, wow, this is actually waste. They're going to go into a club and having a pissing match where we're all wearing the same stupid button down shirt. Yeah, we all have the yeah. exact same pair of sneakers on. We're all yeah. wearing the exact same Rolex or AP. That's probably fake anyway. Yeah. Like, we can just be ourselves, take our shirt off. Who cares what we're wearing? Let's get dirty. Right. And it became like this rock star movement, bro. Like anywhere that me and my group went and partied and turned up was like dirt bikes, BMX, skateboarding, fires, no shirt, like getting dirty. And it was like, I don't know another card player in history 
that became his own rock star. Yeah. Any card player I know is usually like kind of like a you know math guy, a dorky guy, a nerdy guy, button up guy. You know, goes to the club, pops a bottle once a month, gets laid. You know, yeah, yeah. that one night a month and like thinks it's the tits. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, bro, like. If you if I was the lead singer of a band, my life would look the exact same as it looks right now, you yeah, know, and like yeah. I I'd like to say, I I almost I don't know if I can do it humbly, so I don't know if I can quite stand behind this, but I'd like I like to think that I'm like the the card player's first rock star, you yeah. know, and and I don't know the way we partied, man, and still do, but it's a little different now, but it was such a man, it was like unbelievable yeah it's like a it's like yeah. a season like you yeah. just put in like this crazy se- i mean yeah three seasons yeah but it's like i mean i don't know probably a, a something that made it special is that it like did have to come to an end in a sense because like yeah. dude how you just don't want to be that guy that's just living in that same vortex for fucking 10 years 20 you never years, evolve you, know? you never yeah. not only would i never evolve but that particular industry is so challenging like mm. eventually i'm gonna take a loss that's beyond my means you know what i mean like yeah, there's things that yeah. are gonna happen yeah yeah the one of the best things and worst things double double-sided coin was when they cut me off and i parked all that money somewhere safe and it's growing on its own it's gonna grow for the rest of my life and generationally and anything I do on the side is just like free cash I had to just dick off and, and light on fire, you know? And it's helping me evolve totally as a human being because how long can I party? How long can I do those things? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, but 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 it was, those three seasons were really, they were so cool, man. They were, they were just, they were cool. Oh, dude, yeah, I can't even yeah. imagine. Yeah. So <clears throat> before you were saying, uh, talking about Dana White count, yeah. count, uh, card counting, mm-hmm. why is it illegal? Like, well, it's not illegal. It it's game? not illegal. No, no, it's not illegal. Okay. So this is a huge, huge, this is a great, great thing you said. So this is a huge thing people don't understand. There's a difference in between doing something illegal and doing something against casino rules, right? If, you, if it's illegal, such as cheating, cheating is illegal. That is an actual crime. If you are cheating, you will go to prison and your first offense is up to five years. You're not getting a walk. You're not getting probation. I mean, it's a real criminal offense. If you do something against the casino's rules, like me, for example, one of their unwritten rules is you can't win. So if you win, they can't arrest you for it or else yeah. I'd be in jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with Dana, you know, they can only say you got to go yeah. or you have to play like this or this particular rule or we're going to change this. But the short of it is if you break the rules, they'll just throw you out. But if you commit a crime like cheating, you go to prison immediately first offense so counting cards is not a crime illegal imagine a judge saying to somebody yeah yeah because to me i'm sitting here like this is so fucking retarded like this is you're just good at this game yeah yeah the judge is gonna say you know what sir yeah you're too good at this game yeah you're going to prison like at what point would we not like kick fucking tom brady out of the super bowl exactly (laughs) like he's really good at this like we can't have that yeah exactly exactly so there's there's laws and there's rules and the rules are not legally enforceable and there is there is like a a a legal um route like there's a whole so what's the casino rules around counting cards like how do we how would you even you can't they 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 say our rule is no card counting the law says we can't apply that you want us to arrest someone for being smart you know like they're like we're not gonna do that yeah and it's literally the whole game yeah i I agree completely so the casino says if we catch you like officially card counting we're gonna ban you or restrict you or 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 like how how would you officially catch someone well there is so like there's things you can do that's 
there's card like how you said the whole game is card counting there is like a true version of card counting right and there's two types there's the true count and the running count yeah and if they catch you like operating under the guise of either of those rules versus like uh perfect by the book blackjack right they'll say that's against the rules that's an official card counter that's an ap you have to go there's other people that aren't going by true count or running count but they're still not it's not exactly counting because I don't want but I don't want the, the whoever's listening to this to, under, to misunderstand the words. But there's other people that are counting or keeping track of the yeah, deck yeah, and yeah, 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 you know yeah, following yeah. it. They're, where they're saying to themselves, for example, because everyone would be trying to count the cards. Yeah, well, counting cards like the plus three to minus three scale is super easy. You can literally go on YouTube, put card counting video, and actually learn truly how to count cards. It's not hard. It's not a secret. It's not illegal. It's none of that. But if you do those things and they figure it out usually by deviation of of like perfect of like of standard blackjack game, like if you're hitting on random things, staying on random yeah, things, like yeah, the yeah, increase and decrease yeah, of betting, yeah, yeah. they go, that's suspicious. And they have a card counter that works for the casino that goes, I know the count. If I was a card counter, I would do it like this. And then all of a sudden the player does it. They go, oh, he's using the same count I'm using. Dude, it's so fucked up that like. All right, so yeah, I'm not like a big gambler, right? Mm -hmm. So like in my head, this is kind of just blowing my mind. It's like you've got a guy that's getting paid by the casino to count the cards to make sure that the people who are in the casino trying to win the game... Who would win by counting the cards? Aren't, aren't allowed counting to the count. cards. Like, what the yeah. fuck is going that's on? That's exactly here? right. No, that's exactly right. But there's other people that like you can like count in some ways where it's not against the rules. Like, for example, let's say uh, let's pretend there's four hands out, and it's like a face card, face card, face card, face card, face card six, face card, face card. Right? No, that's, I'm sorry. Actually, that's, that's a poor example. Let me just make it vague. If you're looking at the cards and you do something that's deviating from standard blackjack yeah, play, because yeah. you're just looking at what's on the table and you're like, every ten is out here. There can't be another one. The dealer does not, you know. So let's say yeah, that, you know, the dealer yeah, has an yeah. eight showing. You're like, the dealer cannot possibly have a ten under there. Yes. It's probably like something lower where they're gonna have to hit and hopefully bust. I'm gonna stand on my sixteen against an eight. You yes, know. Yes. That's not really card counting. That's just like being obvious. Like yeah. you know. But if. They're playing heads up, for example, and like that one hand, they decrease and they stay at, stood and stuff like this. Then the card counter that's upstairs is going to say, oh, he's counting cards, you know? Hmm. Yeah, it just blows my mind that that's illegal. That's like, oh, this yeah. guy's playing the game properly. Like, let's not have that. Like, they just yeah. want it to be, I guess they just want it to be like this to face, like literally taking things on their face. Like, you're not yeah. keeping a track of it or whatever. Yeah. That seems crazy. They to only me. want losers. That's and it. so, like, allegedly, do you think Dana's doing that? Counting cards? Um, the first time I met Dana, there was four casinos in the city I was allowed in. Yeah. And we happened, it was like coincidence. So I have a parking space outside the, the, the door, right? Like my own parking space, like, right? And it's a VIP entrance. And usually you, people don't, don't even know about this entrance unless they're like VIP. Yeah, right? yeah. So I go to back into my spot and Dana's pulling in next to me, right? So we get out at the same time we walk in. And um, it was actually because of R. Willie that Dana, Dana yeah, gave yeah, me his time. Yeah, yeah. Dana had just did, done something with, with Ryan. I forget yeah. what it was. And I said, uh, hey, Dana, how you doing? My name's Mickey. And, he, you know, like, you know, he's famous. So, like, probably yeah. he didn't 
think too much of it. And I go, hey, like Ryan is one of my closest friends. I know you guys just did. I forget what it was. I was like, you guys just did that thing. That was super cool. And he goes, oh, you know Ryan? And I go, yeah, yeah. He, he stayed at my house last week or whatever. Yeah, know? yeah. And he starts talking to me. And I go, you know, I'm in AP also and, and I'm banned. I only got four, four casinos left. He goes, oh, well, I only got four left. And I go, which ones you got? And it was the same four as me. And we're like, oh, that's funny, you know? And we start talking. He goes, yeah, last summer I won X amount. And then, you know, we start talking like numbers. And we immediately like hit it off. And he goes, put your information on my phone. I put it in and, and we kept in touch. And um, fast forward, like let's say that was a couple of years ago. Now he and I play together or are around each other. Recently it's been weekly, but but whatever. We're like around each other more. And we play um, blackjack, you know, like whatever. Like we'll be with each other. I think when he's playing on the live streams, I want to say so without saying the wrong thing. Hold on. I think when he's playing on the live streams, he's playing at Red Rock and the owners of Red Rock are his partners that own the UFC with him. Oh, the fatigue design that I, yeah. yeah. So I think that they obviously let him in. Plus he's really good marketing. Plus he live streams, you know, me, Aiden Ross, uh, uh, Steve will do it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else, you know, I saw you with Drewski too. Once. Yeah. 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 I Drewski. fucking love that. dude. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah, he's a J. Yeah. So I think that Red Rock, I think the brothers see him as an asset there. Whether yeah, he's winning or losing. Whether he's taking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he also says to himself, I'm not necessarily here to win. I'm not going to clean him out. Yeah, he's like, I'm more here for a good time. We're on live stream. You know, like we're just here to party. So when I play with him there, I'm watching pretty closely. And I would say he's not card counting, but he is winning. So I would say, no, he's not card counting, but yes, he is winning. Hmm. And how does one do that? Is that just instinct at that point? Is it? I think a lot of it. I mean, is it easy to win when you don't give a fuck about money? I think it's easier to win when you're not scared to make a bet. Yeah, you yeah. know, like he he'll play super aggressive hands or bets, splits, doubles, things like that. The way I do, and I always found myself to be like a super aggro player. I'm very, I'm overly aggressive beyond the book, and uh, I think. Well, that's where your money's made because you're at 48.5% when you play blackjack. So I think when when you're the only places to make money, you want to maximize how much you're making. If you're going to have a winning hand, you want to either bet the most or double down or split and you'll split, hopefully split and yeah, double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whenever I find any opportunity to do it, I'm super aggressive. Oh, okay, so that's how, I, like, when you're saying like I'm an aggressive player, I'm trying to think about how you would be, but that makes sense. I'm very, very eager. So to you're just like looking money. for the, like how yeah. do I fatten this shit up? Yeah, as, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Like okay. If they only let me bet 50K. How do I How make do I that make the most? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I actually have a cool photo of that. I uh, so I bet fifty k in I blackjack. I think I've seen this. Yeah, maybe it was it was pretty heavy on the internet. I yeah, bet, I bet fifty yeah. k in double deck. I got dealt eight eight to a dealer's uh, four. And then you split those. I split the eights, so now I got a hundred k out. Another eight came. I split that, so I got one hundred fifty k. Another a fourth eight came, so I got two hundred k out. The first card out was a three which if you don't know, is an automatic double down. Couldn't be any more pristine. There's a rule in this casino, if I split, that I can't double down, which is unfortunate. <laughs> I'm very eager to get as much money on the table as I can. Uh, you said that like a fucking generate, and I love it. <laughs> so so the three comes, so I have 11 against a dealer's four. I can only take a hit. It's all I'm allowed to do. So yeah. I hit, next one is a 10. 
the the third eight gets an ace and my last eight gets a deuce and again i would do any i would have paid two to one to be able to double down you know what i mean like i really want these doubles it's important this is where i'm going to maximize my profit the short of it is the max amount of money they were allowed to, uh, letting allowed to let me put there was 200k off a 50k bet the dealer had the four showing opens a jack pulls a king 24 and i scoop so they pay me 200k i got 400k on the table so that 400k came from a singular 50k bet that's so sick that's where, like, it would be so hard to just stay at the table after that. You know, you just <laughs> want to be like, I'm oh, out, I'm out. Right. I fucking love you guys. Peace. That hand, I went on a $6.2 million run. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, so Barstool posted it. They, they're okay, the ones who took I, the photo. I've, I've, yeah, I knew I saw that photo. Yeah, yeah, they, they're the ones that used that photo, yeah. And you went on a $6.2 million run after yeah, that. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Dude, it's so... It's such a crazy... It's such a crazy skill to have and it's such a weird it's so fringe it's it's like taboo you know like you're just ticking all the right boxes to make that kind of money in that kind of way you know and I, I guess like yeah it sort of makes sense when you say like I was the you know first rock star kind of card player type dude because it sort of seems like that you know like you got to be so reckless in a sense and you've got to be so like there's such an emotional or like a it's like a personality type that it fits you know like ricky carmichael yeah. greatest of all time motocross right he was that guy he was gnarly as fuck wanted it you know like all the emotional yeah. elements i feel like it's probably translates to gambling you know like to be a real successful gambler like you've got to have some crazy ingredients when it comes to like the your personality that can like let you be that guy and let you make those calls you yeah i mean how can you make money gambling if you can't make reckless decisions the most reckless thing a person can do is go gamble like off yeah yeah for sure like immediately and then gamble the at most its, at its base yeah, level at its, base. it's yeah. like what's the most irresponsible thing i can do gamble give my money yeah. and hope that i get some back on this on fucking odds that are stacked against me yeah knowing the odds are against yeah you. yeah exactly and then to take it to the highest level you can and then that's not enough so then you have to negotiate special limits with all the executives in every casino to make it that much higher then i'm the top five percent largest betters in vegas history so then i take it even a step further and even at those limits i'm still looking for any way to like get more money on the table you know like so like to, to do that you have to be the most irresponsible and reckless yeah, type of yeah, person yeah and you got to have, like, a weird level of, like, control over your emotions, too. Yeah, but also, yes. But it's a huge double-edged sword. Like, I'm super emotionally detached in a lot of areas that I don't want to be. Like, I want to have more emotional connection, but I'm just not. I don't... It's just... And there's a lot of reasons why, but it just didn't happen like that and whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, so to to make those kind of plays, like, you've got to be a fucking... Essentially a loose cunt. Yeah, Exactly. But it also did a lot of fun. Like, I was reckless in my real life, you know? I yeah. like to go fast. I like to make big jumps. You know, like, yeah. that's reckless, you know? Yeah. Like, a normal sound p person of sound mind would say, I'm going to keep my feet on the ground. I'm not jumping a dirt bike. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And the partying and the just all of it. Just always living life to the extreme and the most and, like, milking every single moment for the most experience, you know? Yeah. So, speaking of that, when are we riding? We can ride. Yeah, you have a bike here? No, I'm thinking I might buy one tomorrow. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. What are you going to get? Husky 350. Well, I've been looking for a 350, but I haven't been able to find one. Um, 
I bet you I can find you one right now. Yeah, dude, I've been looking. I mean, yeah, we'll try. But you my are. friend's actually got a, a 250 Yamaha for sale that I might just swoop so I can have something to ride. But I've been in Glen Helen, bro. I've been pumping those motos. Ooh, this I invited you to Glen I know, Helen. I it was last. It was last minute. Yeah, it was, it was like the minute. night before, and I think I was already out of town that night. Yeah, I forget. Where it was, was a little. It was a little hail mary. I was yeah. like, I'm seeing if Mickey's rolling out. I was going by I myself. Could, I couldn't make. I wish it was fucking hot, bro. It was yeah. like 110 out there, and I was cooked. Yeah, I did 120 on a 450, and I was fucking done. It's like yeah. this is no joke. Imagine doing that shit for a living. It, no, it's super gnarly. So fucking gnarly. You know what's sick about it? So I just was watching. You know, I, I still watch every race. Yeah. And I was sitting with my boy. He used to ride FMX, and the, we're just talking. And I go, I go. You understand that they are always riding on the edge of out of control, yeah. right? And he goes, I know it's absolutely insane. Like for for me, if I were to like even get close to like a like sketchy spot that they're in i'm immediately off the gas yeah i'm taking a deep breath and i'm going oh that was a close one i should probably calm down uh, yeah, yeah and they're gassing through it yeah and they're like on to the next these guys are constantly on the edge of out of control it's really unbelievable and i don't think people who watch it that don't really race no, i don't think no, they'll no, ever no, understand no, no it's very hard to get across like it takes real good commentary like i, I think that's why rogan was so good for mma because like I mean, dude's fucking like I knew jujitsu before I even fucking did it because of listening to like fifteen years of Rogan breakdown yeah. jujitsu. You know, like I went to my first class and like knew what the shit was that I was supposed to be doing, and that is really that's such an art to translate that kind of information to a, a viewer. You know, so that's like a challenge for the for the sport. But yeah, you know it because you've lived that shit. Yeah, I don't think. That even if so, the commentator were to express the series, like when Ricky or James is commentating, yeah, yeah, I think not that they do do this, but even if they did talk about like really like, like I just watched a, what was last weekend's outdoor um, Buds, Buds Creek or Unadilla, Unadilla. I was yeah. watching Unadilla. Yeah, I forget what they call that. They go like drop straight down, the sky sh- shot. sharp left, like a ninety degree left, and right back up the hill. Yeah, 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 yeah. The camera will never show how, how steep fast, it is. Yeah. bro. These guys, bro, how steep these guys are flying down this hill <laughs> into an immediate ninety degree left turn yeah. or one eighty. I'm sorry, it's a one eighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Faster than I would just go on a straight line. Yeah, they are coming. They are speeding up. Down the hill into a 180 left turn, like and there's not even a berm. There's hitting ruts and just like you'll, bro. It's insane. Yeah, how's the squat the squat shot? So that that big jump that that floats and then you land and they would go wide open. And Sexton was saying that he's like, man, I wish they had a speed gun. I'm doing it over 70 miles an hour. Like, about, that is. Did you about the one that every 250 rider had cased and like and gone into it like nah it, nah nah it's like that real big floater whip jump the one everyone was doing those big whips oh off. yeah and yeah, then yeah, like yeah. but they land and they used to like turn off that but this year they just went straight straight and, and then, then uh, afterwards cl- it was a left yeah it's like a little yeah, sweeper left yeah, yeah. yeah they were just clicking gears off yeah. that thing bro and just fucking sending it and something else too that like, i don't think viewers really understand how big that jump is I, I, I thought about that too bro that is an enormous jump that'd be the biggest jump on any track if a jump even that big existed on your local track yeah that thing is humongous yeah and just everywhere just yeah. ripping so are you gonna get a bike again you reckon or are you done 
a lot of people that like, give me their bikes, like yeah. like loaner bikes, like that's that's pretty easy. I mean, I live like in LA, so like I live in a penthouse, so like it'd be hard. For, I'd have to if I bought a bike, I'd have to keep it somewhere. Yeah, it's a whole and thing. I, then get a pickup truck or a trailer. It's like a, I'd have to get everything. I have to do maintenance. I don't know how to do maintenance. When I was a kid racing, I always had like my dad or, or like crew chief and mechanics stuff like that. So I don't know how to do maintenance, and I don't know. It's like a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it is a whole thing. You yeah. need one of them electric bikes. The Altas? Nah, it's stock. Have you seen the new ones? Uh-uh. Fuck, they're like the Alta, but 30 times better. Really? I rode an Alta for a little while. Yeah, that's the LA bike. I just got one of those, uh, they're called Granger USA pit bikes, and they're like a basically a CRF 110, but it's electric. Really? Yeah, it's fucking... I actually should have bought it up today so that you could have fucked around on it. I would have loved to ride that. Bro, perfect, like, LA bike. You just cruise around the streets, no noise, no one's going to know. That's probably the bike that you need just to, like, get you back into the throttle life, you know? You, uh, you ride it, like, on the dirt? You rode it on drums yet? No, nah, not yet. No, nah, I literally just flipped it down the road. <laughs> That's all I've fucking done. You flipped it? Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. my God. I was just doing wheel stands down the road, and then I fucking missed the brake and looped her out. Yeah. So I've already been through a rear guard. I just got a new 110 as well, though. So I'm going to, I'll probably start riding a little bit. Of that. Oh, you got a 110 and the electric one. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, I wasn't planning on getting the electric one, but. I love the pit bikes. Yeah, they're fucking sick. You know, I race in Pastrana's pit bike race. Yeah, last yeah, year. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something. You got to, we got to get you back, bro. You can ride my bike, though. Uh, let me know. Yeah, I, I could probably couldn't even go a full day. Uh, have you got so gear and shit? Uh, I have most gear. I have helmet, goggle, gloves, boots. I think I got everything. I think I do. The uh, gear is really easy for me to get anyway. Yeah. What gear did you run back in the day? Whoever sponsored me. What was some of the main? Thor and Fox. Okay. Yeah. I remember before that, before sponsorship. Actually, I remember I got, uh, I think it was my first Thor sponsorship. Before that, I was rocking L- LBZ. Yeah, yeah, You remember yeah, LBZs? Yeah, yeah, like the bell bottoms. Yeah, I think Mike yeah, Metzger rocked yeah, them. Yeah, and I think yeah. he was, I believe he was the reason that I thought they were so cool. Yeah. I had like bright yellow ones with like silver yeah, knee, fuck, knee I remember patches. That shit. Yeah, yeah go over your boots. That's what I wore when I was like, I don't know, three, four, five years old. Dude, that shit's dope. Yeah, then I went to Thor. You're kind of LBZ now. You just never really left. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're like rich LA LBZ dude now, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember um I remember when Travis Pastrana do you remember, you know, I think like every year he like painted a new helmet. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. And I think the first time they like mass produced a TP one nine nine helmet. I think I remember the one. It was the swirl about. one. Like, I literally have the picture in my head. I know exactly what the helmet looks like. Yeah. It was like almost like a tear in the paint or whatever but it swirled around yeah and sean hackley used to wear i remember yeah, sean hackley yeah, race yeah, ran yeah, it. yeah i remembered that um th- that point when his helmet came out like the season before that one got mass produced i remember my dad i remember actually the season before that is when the first ever fin was made yes the very first one it was a little mohawk in the back yeah it's like a sticker yeah and yeah he used to stick the fin on yeah i think troy lee did it was it a Troy You know, I think it might have been. Yeah, I yeah, think it might yeah, have been. yeah, yeah. And everyone stuck the fin on the back of the helmet. Yeah, and then they got crazy. It was like two years later, they did the same thing, but then it also went this way. So yeah, it was like yeah. this and then sideways. Yeah. And I even remember like, I don't know if you know who Nick McPhee is. We grew up riding together. I think he went, like just went pro and then stopped riding. But I remember he used to get his helmets uh, with the fin like sandblasted into it or whatever like so it was like a part of the helmet you know and that looked really cool but i remember the year before the tp 
production helmet came out, I started rocking, well, it was my dad, but um, custom painted helmets. Yeah. Because I remember thinking when the TP one came out, I was like, oh, I, I already have like a custom helmet. Like I don't need to, like everybody else buy the TP one. Yeah, you know? yeah. I remember that. Mm. So one thing I've never had is a custom painted helmet. I did, yeah, I definitely did. I need, I, I need it, that in my life. It was a serious flex, I got to be honest. My, I think my brother was going to get me one as a wedding present, he said, but I don't think it could have come in time. They're like, nah. they take forever to get, don't they? There's this guy in Japan, um, fuck, I wish I could remember his his name, but he does like the dopest shit. He does like Taka and all all those guys. Like I think he does Jeremy Sewer in Europe, but he's got like a awesome style but i've always wanted one dude they're a cool flex i gotta be honest yeah but then yeah. you just never want to crash in it you never so wanna... so you know what axel and them do as soon as they get a new helmet first thing they do is they drop it on the ground yeah i do the same shit yeah 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 that's just the old superstition yeah. dude i've crashed i got i got a new helmet i went to barcelona to do a shoot and alpine star sent me this fresh helmet and i was fucking hyped on it dude it was like it was really nice Dropped it, did the deal, like straight up, getting that out of the way. Fucking lap one, bro, over the bars, smashed the thing to bits. I was like, are you fucking serious? Do you want to hear a crazy new helmet story? Yes. All right. Back in amateur days, I used to race against Malcolm Stewart a lot. Yeah. And I, as kids, I used to dust them. One particular race, I forget what bikes we were on, 50s, 60s, I forget what it was, whatever. Moto is outdoors. Moto one comes, and uh, in Moto one, I had won the race, and Malcolm got second. But I remember there was a kid whose throttle got stuck. He didn't know how to stop the bike, and he would just shoot pinned across the track. I don't know ultimately like what he did. Like I don't remember how he got off the bike. I just remember this kid. It was like a thing. His throttle got stuck, and he shot the whole track. He didn't know what to do. Yeah. Moto two comes, first lap. I get the whole shot. Malcolm's in second. The kid with the throttle stuck from the first moto. Throttle gets stuck again in the second moto. Check this out, bro. It gets crazy. So I'm leading lap one. We haven't even completed the first lap yet. The kid's throttle gets stuck and he's just shooting across the track again. At this point where he's shooting across is right at the takeoff. It's like a pretty big double. And I'm in the lead. I see him coming, just shooting across the track. I jam the brakes. I roll it. Malcolm, who's in second place, jumps it, lands on my head on the landing. The peg caves in the whole side of my helmet, probably half an inch away from taking off my face. And that was the first time I ever wore that helmet. Fuck. Yeah, Yeah. dude, there's a thing. That's why people drop them because, like, there's a whole thing about, like, the first time you wear a helmet. I've been caught out a bunch of times. I didn't know that was a thing. I just seen it in one of Axel's videos and I was like, oh, that's cool. Nah, yeah, that's like the that's like the old superstition is like, mm. I'm gonna crash this helmet. I'm gonna get the first crash out of the way so that I don't do that right now. But yeah, it didn't work for me the other day in Barcelona. Fucking just straight on my head. Couldn't believe it. And it was like the rockiest, gnarliest oh. dirt too. Just fuck the thing. You get hurt or no? Nah, not really. That's good then. Nah. Whatever, buy a new helmet. Yeah. Well, I didn't even buy that one, so. Oh yeah, whatever. But I was just, just call Alpine, let them know. Yeah, I was just complaining about my nice new, my nice new shit. Did we uh, did we talk about J Law in the first half of this? Dude, I actually, I was literally just about to say I saw him at Loretta's. Really? Like did two he, weeks ago. Did he race? No, he just went there. So I don't remember what we said in the beginning or not. You know, he was like my riding partner yeah, since yeah, we were yeah. like babies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so we grew up to me and J Law. Yeah, and there's a few, oh, there's others also, but like me, you know, he was one of them. And he gave me, uh, I have it in my living room, when he won indoors, Yeah. 
he rocked a number one plate coming into the next season. Oh, right. And yeah, and he won the first moto of yeah. the next season. Yeah. So for one race and one race only, J Law had a red number one plate. Yeah. And he sent it to me, and I have it in my living room. It's like signed to me, whatever. That's so sick. Yeah. And he and I keep in touch, like like obviously my dog, you know. And uh, between the last first half of this interview and today. He had asked me like a hundred times to like get back involved with him in the sport, and he's tagged me. If you go look at his page, like I, I don't know how many tags exactly, but if you just like look, it's just like a bunch of like videos with me and just my tag on his videos and stuff, which is really cool. The thing is that he wants me to sponsor him because like three years ago, I I was begging him to let me sponsor him. Yeah, but he just he's like he's like no, bro. He's like I'm not gonna waste your money. I want to be honest. This is my circumstance and how I, my relationship with sponsors are. And yeah. he goes, you're not gonna be happy with the result, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to put him on blast. And if any sponsor potential J Law sponsors are out there, like you should definitely sponsor him. He obviously is gonna get the most amount of views, even if he doesn't win. Yeah, everybody is gonna watch him race. Yeah, but probably he's gonna win. I mean, he's just too fast honestly you know i think he might be the fastest rider on the face of the earth and a lot of people would say that yeah i definitely think he's one of the most talented guys that's ever rode a bike ever like just so effortless and when you consider how fucking hard he partied yeah the whole time you know so it's like you you're holding him like you're looking at the way that he rides and you're measuring it against these other dudes that are like on top of their game, training, eating, resting, recovering. Bro. Like, and so you're like, you're like, oh yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty even. Imagine no. if that guy fucking did half that shit. You're literally describing Jason Lawrence on his worst day, being equally matched with the best rider on his best day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, if he can find, if we can, if we can get J Law fine tuned a little bit, even to, even though he's he's a little bit older, he'd be like one of the older riders in the in the in the um in the class now but bro he's just he's just too good it was cool to see him at Loretta's yeah I bet was, was so cool. he's just chilling yeah yeah he just came uh do you, do you know Scott Subkovic I don't think so so he was his agent through like through his whole career mm-hmm. and um and yeah he he just hit him up and said oh do you want to come to Loretta's and he just hopped the flight and was there for the day and it was sick man we like we spent a bunch of time hanging out in the morning and watching races and yeah it was cool it was cool to see him there and like he's fucking into it you know like he knew every he even knew all the amish kids like he knew whatever i was doing he watched practice the day before you know i'm like oh this guy did this yesterday he's like yeah no i know i watched like the live stream so yeah it was just cool and it was cool to see it was like not only cool to see him there but it was also cool to see the reactions of people to him being there and like there are a couple photos of us that got posted and like my phone was blowing up with people that were like super super stoked and that was like my thing. I mean, I've been in communication with him for a couple of years and I was just like, man, honestly, people miss you. Like just, you don't have to come back and race. You don't have to come back and win. We don't want nothing from you. Just be fucking cool to have Jason Lawrence at the races because you yeah. were one of the baddest dudes that ever did it, you know? I wish that he would just f- have somebody film, even his practice, just like, yeah. just cruising i love watching jason lawrence videos i mean they're just same bro he's so good it's we should so go do a video with him one day we just fly out i'll film it and fucking just like film in practice like just just do that just go hang he's in north florida ain't he yeah he's in florida now yeah you like like uh we could do like my handle or gainesville i think he's in north right now i think we could do like miami and then lawrence Dude. i'm i'm pretty sure i'm like super down just so you know 
Yeah. I'm like pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm super down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm with this. Yeah. It'd be sick. Just go film, make a video. Yeah. Do something cool, play some golf. We can even probably convince him to ride for a few days and we're riding too. Yeah, fuck yeah. Which is great I'll for us. I'll be taking a bike. Yeah, I want to ride. Yeah. I'm in. I'm pretty sure I'm down. Uh, uh, let me think before I overly commit, but no, no, I'm, we don't, I'm Hey, sure. we don't have to make no rash decisions right now. Just no, throwing I, it out. Bro, there. I'm telling I get, I get I'm 100% or I'm 0%. So if I tell you I'm going to do it, like, yeah, I'm looking yeah. at flights on the way out of here. I'm texting my assistant. We're, yeah. we're working on bikes. We, uh, I, I'm going to do some Florida trip pretty soon. So maybe I'll just let you know. I'm kind of going to be there and shit. I think it'd be cool. Just roll up, film. We could ride. Yeah. Be a good time. Yeah. Find somebody to gamble. There's places. That's where I moved from. I lived there. I lived in Miami, in Miami for years. I've, dude, I've never been to Miami. It's cool. I've been to s- almost everywhere in America. And it's I've cool. never been to Miami. I think you'll have a fun time. It's uh, better as a tourist than it is a resident. Yeah. You, If you live there, you learn. That's actually really small. Like Everybody's like, oh, we got to go to South Beach. People don't know. South Beach is a quarter mile long, and it is one road. It's actually one road that goes in one direction each. So it's Collins Avenue, right? Yeah. You can say it's two lanes if you want, whatever. So imagine every single thing you're witnessing of videos of Miami takes place within one yeah, quarter mile yeah, strip yeah, you know yeah, yeah. so it is it's small but but as a tourist it has everything you want to have a great great time it's a beautiful area beautiful beach beautiful people things to do a lot of fun yeah you're gonna have a good time you should definitely go yeah and maybe we will yeah i think we will i think we'll do it well hey we just uh we just completed our our podcast okay it took, so it took it's, three months it took it took a few months to yeah. get this to get this one done what a fucking cool circumstance though like to be mm-hmm. honest i mean kind of sucks that the foot we lost the first half i think we covered a lot of what we spoke about anyway but i don't remember any i, don't I, remember I went any. i went through and did a bit of a, a, a checkup just to make sure but um for me anyway it's cool as fuck to be sitting here with you yeah, like same. we started it in i was in the u.s i was in oz didn't even have a visa to be in the like that's a whole nother fucking thing but i'm very grateful for the, my position in life to be back here yeah. doing this with you and uh yeah it's been cool i'm super grateful to to have met you under these circumstances as well <laughs> epic brother <laughs> all right we'll uh we'll do this again sometime for yeah, sure for, i'm around man definitely hell yeah bro good you liked it <laughs>